I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his Envy. Episode 36. It's another episode of A Gay and His Envy. Thank you so much for listening to us wherever it is that you do, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anything in between where you listen to podcasts. We are so excited to be bringing you another episode of A Gay and His Envy. This episode when we are talking all things Bravo and all things Real Housewives. Um, before we get into that, though, be sure to leave a rating or review. Uh, it helps us get into the algorithms and get us seen and listened to by more and more people. We are so appreciative whenever you leave a rating or a review. Um, be sure to follow us across our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So much content that we put out over there that you are not going to want to miss. Uh, and be sure to check out over there. Also, Merchandise over at a gay and his mb.threadless.com. We have six designs out right now with um, the ability to get them on t shirts and mugs and bags and pretty much almost anything. There's so, it's a lot of versatility, yeah, pretty on much it. anything you can think of. Um, you know, I, I'm really happy they have these lovely little like beach bags as, as we're coming into summer. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about those. They're these like little um probably about a foot and a half wide little canvas bags they have these white rope handles and they're black bags with our designs on them they're absolutely gorgeous stunning you can also get them with like the little woven uh um handles they're a little bit cheaper that way but i love the rope detail yeah especially for a beach trip absolutely um, and yeah, you can get those at againitsmb.threadless.com. And also, if you have a question that you have for either of us about anything we watch or just anything in general, you can submit that to us across social media or at againitsmb at gmail.com. And we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. And speaking of social media, while you're out there liking our posts and loving them, give it a, uh, a, a retweet or a quote tweet or something. Mm. Comment on those. That also also helps us get seen in those algorithms. Um, we want to reach as wide of an audience as will give us their time of day. So uh, get the word out about your new favorite podcast, Again in His NB. Yes. What are we talking about on this episode, babe? We are talking, as you mentioned at the top of the pod, uh, we are talking about all things Real Housewives. Uh, So we're going to be talking about, thank God, the last part of this fucking Jersey reunion. You you thought we had one more episode and I reassured you we did it and you were so thankful. (laughs) I was like... Almost in tears at the end of this episode. <laughs> going, not for the oh reasons they God. wanted. Not for the reasons they wanted because everyone decided to retcon the whole season at a certain point. And it's just like, guys, <laughs> guys. Um, but yeah, I got to the end of that and I was like, and we've got to sit through another episode. And Avon's literally like, no, that, that was it. That was the third part. I was like, really? That's it? <laughs> God. Um, so we're going to talk about that today. We have opinions. We have opinions. We have thoughts. And we, you know, have a celebratory uh, glass of champagne for the fact that it's over. Um, we're also going to be talking about Orange County, which for the second week in a row has really shown to be super refreshing <laughs> and uplifting and happy. I mean, not fully happy. There's arguments, whatever, who gives a fuck, right? But it's... A return to the housewives we love. 
We'll get to it. We're rounding out our episode with that today. Something delightful at the end. Something delightful at the end. A nice little like um, orange Julius to you know as a dessert, as a treat for for putting up with what we've put up with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but oh, to start out the episode, we are going to celebrate. Our lovely peaches and the rotted ones, too, down in <laughs> Atlanta. This was a good episode if it wasn't for production. We yep. will get to that. And I am so... I'm. We were talking a little bit in past episodes about production and how we kind of didn't like certain things they were doing. They... Showed their ass. Showed their whole ass this episode. And I am fed the fuck up. <laughs> I, I rewatched the episode this afternoon before recording the podcast. And there were more things I didn't realize. And I'm like, I am so... So fed up there's, with what they're doing on Atlanta right now. There's pretty much steam coming out of his ears I, right now. I ooh. Um, before we get into that though, um, let's start off. So because it, it started, it start production started good, right? Well, they, they were sitting on their hands a little bit. Well, they started good in a certain sense because there. If you're watching the um, if you're watching the episode with us on Peacock, you won't see this. Um, but they because they, they start with this big montage. Well, uh, at least you won't. As of now, right. if you watched it originally when it aired on Peacock, they show you, a, they show a montage to sort of give Candy and Marlowe's whole story right across uh, this this franchise, and we start back in 2011, right? And we show the the front bumper for the for season four or three, something like that, one of the two. Um, and I didn't even notice it until I went to Twitter afterwards. Um, yeah, they fully cut Nini out of it, which is understandable if you know the very tense situation between Bravo and Nini. They're not going to put her on the screen. I'm pretty sure she's not allowed to be on screen on Bravo. So, like, yeah, every I once get- in a while there'll be a guest that brings her name up on Watch What Happens Live, and you could tell Andy like is like I'm just going to forget you said that and move on. Yeah, like it's an issue. Yeah. So like of course they cut her out of that. Like but, I But in fair they didn't need to show that interstitial I to think, tell that story. I think they did. I think it was a nice editing thing where it was like, hey, they show the modern one then they clip back to the previous one because to me that really sets the stage in a better way than Hey guys, it's 2011. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I'm more entertained and more pulled in by this narrative storytelling of the flashback giving me the old title card. That to me is better editing, better storytelling, better set dressing than a caption that says back in 2011 or whatever the fuck they would write. Yeah. to me well and also you had like when the whole nini thing and andy stuff like really started and emerged nini's one comment that she made was literally like stop bringing my because it was the when he had wendy williams on watch what happens live and they were talking about nini of like well nini can't support her own show and whatever um sort of thing so like that like and her comment in the video that she posted i think on like instagram or something was like stop talking about me so okay they cut you out of the thing yeah and which the one thing that was surprising to me i thought they like clipped her out from the middle and like moved sheree and phaedra because we're so used to her being centerpiece i didn't realize on i didn't realize on that she was on the end yeah which is crazy to me 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I we I would love a world where Nini comes back, but I don't think that's happening. You know, we have talked about what future seasons will look like, and if a character like Kim Zolciak would come back. Yeah. But that would make things worse between Bravo and, and Nini, I think. Because a big part of the lawsuit that Nini has or did have no, against, now. against uh, Bravo was that they were allowing Kim, racism. Kim to be rampantly racist on the show and were protecting her. So if they were to bring her back, that would be a problem. Right. And we already know she makes an appearance this season. Right. But there's and and, and but there's such juice there with the Croy stuff. Yeah. We haven't just, gotten into it at all on the podcast because it's a lot. Like there's a new it's almost like scannable where there's like a new thing of like Croy's accusing her of like new shit every fucking day. And it's like it's Well, they're they're flinging accusations at each other. Yeah. It's it's going to get messy. And as much as I'm not the biggest Kim Zolciak fan, wouldn't mind seeing it on my television. See, at that point, I'm not emotionally involved. I don't like either of these people. Yeah. So I can, I can just gobble up this juicy, lovely uh, nugget of information without having any sort of emotional involvement in it. Yeah, totally. This is where I don't get stressed. <laughs> this is where I can enjoy the drama and just enjoy it for what it is right so let's but let's talk about this montage though right so we get a lot of early stuff with candy and marlon stuff like that but then we get what feels like pretty much the full scene from that uh from around the time when uh marlo's nephew passed and it's because the, the date is august 14th 2020 well let's use the words he was shot. He was shot. She, she prefers that you use the word shooting. Clearly. I don't want to give Candy a pass. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. And Marlo comes over to the house, uh, and Riley's there as well. Um, and can't, they, play, they play this uh, confessional from Candy at the time, which they kept playing later in the episode, which I did not understand for a bit. What, what they were thinking they were doing like to Candy with this. Because Candy in her confessional goes, people always want to define Marlo by her mugshots, but she's really kind-hearted. She's very thoughtful. She's a really sweet person. They play that later as if to show, like, look, Candy's a hypocrite because she said Marlo's sweet and people use her, her his, criminal history against her, and now they're doing it here. Marlo brought it up. Marlo brought it up, and also... All this tells me was that Candy was Marlo's friend. She always uh -huh. cared about Marlo. Uh huh. That's all that tells me. And so we get into the thing where she, you know, can't Marlo tells her again about her nephew and stuff like that. And she really and doesn't. This is like she, the next day. Yeah. And Marlo played it originally when she was talking about it. Like Candy reacted in this moment, like this was the first time hearing about it. Watching it back, that's not really what happens. Candy had already, she had already had this conversation with Candy via text. Yeah. So Candy wasn't hearing this, con this information fresh for the first time. She had already sat with it for a bit. Yeah. And then she comes in like chipper and happy at the front door, like a freaking little like puppy that's being shown that they're going to get a treat. Right. Like she's that happy. And comes through the door like she's a happy, wonderful person, and then comes in, sits down, and then puts on the mask of grief. But I, 
well, I'll say I'll, I believe I can believe that this was genuine grief at the moment. I do I don't, too, I th- but how the I fuck think, is Candy supposed to interpret that? Right, but I think everything here is genuine. I think everything in this particular scene is genuine. That's not the issue. The issue is she's taking this genuine moment and now two, three years later acting as if this wasn't genuine and this scene didn't happen. Well, she's also acting as if she walked to Candy's front door in like a a black gown and like a fucking shawl and like, um, what's that lace thing? Like a veil. A veil. Like literally in mourning with like a box of tissues and like, and and Candy was so cold and to her. Candy was cold to her. That's not what happened. You came in acting like it was any fucking Tuesday, right? And expected her to be sitting fucking shiva for your your nephew that she's barely met. Yeah, Candy talks about how you know Marlo cares so much about her nephews and nieces, like they're her children. And Candy even says, "God forbid something happened to my cousins, my world would be over." And they show a shot of her and Melvin. And it just also put it in perspective of like, she's literally like I, I, as much as Candy's putting on a brave face current day, her cousin got shot. Her cousin that she literally took in and raised. Yeah. Like, so, and so Candy saying that, like also just put that element into it into perspective for me that I even think about like of why this is so fucked up what Marla's doing. And then Candy talks to Marla about like, Empathize, you know, empathizing with her and you know, giving her condolences, and then tells Marlo, you know, you know, my brother died when I was fifteen, and it really just like numbed me, like etc. And he's like empathizing with her and like bonding in this moment. But she never showed up. She never cared. She never cared. She never had any. Well, see, she didn't pay for a million dollar funeral, so she must not care. Yeah, we then go to present day. And Marlo is going out to lunch with Ty and Justin, who are her friends slash managers. She's like... Slash minions. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Slash extras that she paid and gave the script to. Clearly. Particularly Ty. She conveniently is repeating all of Marlo's talking points before Marlo even says them. It's more egregious than, than Sandoval, honestly. Yeah. Because she's like... She's almost like... a. Uh, theater momming it. Yeah. Where she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and next line, perfect. And you're going to do this hand motion? Great. It's almost that. Marlo talks about how she hopes things, things go okay at Courtney's event that she's organized. Um, Marlo also tells him that, uh, you know, I think Drew told Kenya a different story than what actually happened. Um, this is the thing that pisses me off about production this season oh this is the only thing well it's it's a bigger (laughs) issue is that we've seen we we've talked about it in recent episodes that we've had this sense and this feeling that we've had these moments where production on atlanta have been overly nitpicking every word that drew uses and kenya uses in terms of like the relaying of events and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like the emphasize, like Drew saying that Marlo was standing in her face and then they show her sitting as if they, she didn't yell in her face afterwards. Um, like certain things with Kenya, they've done it with editing that text message. And it is one thing. Yeah. Editing the text message. 
And there's one, it's one thing to do that. It's another thing for then Marlo in this scene, this lunch scene to have multiple moments where she's just straight up lies. Yeah. Just outright dead on lies. And we can interpret that as the audience. We recognize when she's lying. Right. But there's no flashback. There's no like, and how often we see it in that last scene, this episode where there's like flashbacks and then arrows pointing places and then like quotations and then like big neon signs flashing saying, this is a, this is like a fucking NFL replay. It's like, it's ridiculous, but they never did it for Marlo this whole episode really at all. And it's like, if I, I, it feels as though they know Marlo fucked up this season they know Marlo looks fucking crazy and is so egregious with this shit, but they can't lose Marlo. They're doing preemptive damage control. So they're hoping that they can gaslight us as the audience to both sides this thing. It looks like it's working on some people. In, I think Not I on think, Twitter. Twitter I, doesn't buy any well, of this. No, some people have. I have seen some people out like the vast majority but i'd say like maybe 20 percent of the twitter audience is siding with marlo yeah and it's like real what are y'all watching right but so this so like i said marlo says drew told kenya a different story marlo says that when drew said incident candy gave her a look essentially like oh shut up right now they showed the clip of it, which credit for that. But again, where's the big arrow saying no look? Where's the big, like, normal, normal face? There's no, like, big emphasis of, like, Marlo's lying here. Yeah. That pisses me off. Yeah. Marlo goes, this bitch using synonyms. Uh, talking about Drew. And Mar- Marlo's, and can't, you know, what it is is that Candy can't pick and choose and only use this platform for advertisements. And which, again, so, so this is the, we also need to talk about the fact that, like, Marlo is saying two different things, right? She's saying, she's, she's bringing up two different issues. And she does it, like, in the end scene in the episode, she kind of goes back and forth with them. She picks and chooses which one she's going to argue at the point. Pick one. Is it that you're mad that Candy doesn't talk about things and, you know, the, the shooting makes her look bad, so she doesn't want to talk about it and she's instructing her minions to not talk about it? Is that why you're mad? Or are you mad she didn't send a flower and cards? Yeah. Because those are two different things. Yeah. Also, did, did, she, did she mean euphemisms? No, she, she meant... She, because synonyms mean the same thing. Um, so there's really no reason for her to be angry about synonyms sure. when like, I mean, that's just dumb. It means the same shit. I mean, the whole argument is dumb. It, the it's, whole argument is dumb. Like Drew, I mean, Drew's excuse for not using the word shooting was also pretty dumb, Yeah. but like, but still, I understand why you would say incident instead of, because it's just. It's tough to talk about. It's her we'll, cousin. We'll get to where I like I, I had issue with Jew's explanation, but I kind of have an explanation for the explanation. Okay. We'll get to it though. Um and but again, like Ty knowing like preemptively saying everything says, you know, if you're gonna choose talking about candy, if you're gonna choose your or no, this is about Drew. If you're gonna choose your words for one person, choose them for everybody. It's like she's already set like 
Marlo at this point hasn't brought up this whole thing of like, they always bring up I'm a convict. They always bring up that I slashed mm-hmm. the girl in the face. She hasn't brought that up yet at this lunch, but Ty has already introduced the like catchy word to like yep. sum that up. Yeah. It's so staged. Marlo says they, and then Marlo says that her and Drew were yelling back and forth, and Marlo was sitting in active listening. That did not happen. Where was the flashback clip to show it didn't happen? Drew never raised her voice. Never raised her voice. And in fact, if you look at the look on her face, she's trying to be compassionate and meet Marlo where she's at. She's just not understanding what Marlo is saying. So she's trying to get some clarification. Yeah. And Marlo being like, I was sitting in active listening. There's also this Bullshit. thing that well, but she does it later too, which pisses me off, where it's like there's this weaponization of her therapy that yeah. like really annoys me and it's like so manipulative. Um and then Ty is like seemingly able to just like diagnose that Drew sidestepping the conversation is what triggered Marlo about Candy not being there for her. It's like, oh, so Drew sidestepped it. So that's why you then suddenly realized you were mad at Candy for not being there for Quentin. It's like, so... It's, number one, that doesn't make sense. No. Ask any licensed psychologist, psychotherapist, any person that has TikTok for more than five minutes could tell you that that doesn't make sense. Um, but like, seriously, dude, like just go, go sit down somewhere. Marlo says that her family was the first to say something about Candy not being there. She didn't bring it up first. It was her family that did because they were so upset. Okay. And then Marlo goes, you're supposed to call my sister. You're supposed to cater with OLG. What? But he, ugh. Also, I, I am remembering now at this point when you said her family was the one that was mad. If you go back and watch that scene where um, from last episode where Marlo, was it last episode? I don't know. When Marlo was with her cousin talking yep. about and and they talk, she talks about her family being the one that was angry. Her cousin starts laughing and puts her head down in order to hide it. Yeah. Because she knows it's fucking bullshit. It's such a lie. It's such a blatant lie. Like, uh, t- uh, Ty, is, Ty is saying, well, you know, if you run a business and a former employee dies, you send a card or flowers. Do no, you? No. Because, like, what, what are they supposed to do? Post your fucking resume in the obituaries yeah. and have all and notify all the fucking past employers? That's that's dumb. Yeah, that's real dumb. And Ta- Marlo's like, you, know, I didn't even realize it was bothering me. Still, like it was just spur of the moment. And Ty's like, maybe the life coach is helping in terms of you figuring that out. Um, Marlo says that when she brought it up to Candy, meaning the uh, uh, when Quentin dying, she skipped over it like it was irrelevant. No, she didn't. We just saw that she didn't. It's like there's two different editors. Because they did this whole montage at the beginning that clearly absolves Candy of any wrongdoing. And you have the footage. But then they spend the rest of the episode trying to make it out like... And there's a moment that pissed me the fuck off where they take part of that scene and play it against Candy later in the episode. And I noticed it until watch on the rewatch and it pisses me the fuck off. Like, it, it's, it's insane to me that they... Mm. Like, I, I just want to know how one person in charge... Like, 
Because, Eric? Yes, clearly. <laughs> but, like, how is that person looking at this episode and deciding, yes, we're going to gaslight the audience with all of this stuff that we do during the episode. Right. But before we do that, we're going to exonerate Candy in this <laughs> flashback montage. Part of me makes it think they didn't think it exonerated her, which it's like, that's crazy. How? I, I just, I don't, I... I need this man to have a one-on-one with Andy. This is the reunion where I need a sit down with one person and it's not somebody on the cast. It's Eric. Yeah. I need Eric in the hot seat. What's going on? (laughs) And pull out that candidate. I need Eric. I want Eric. Where is Eric? Also, while we have Eric, we need to ask him about Potomac because there was some bullshit happened in that. This last season on Potomac too, from his hands. So yeah. Come on, Eric. Let's, we'll get, let's get you in the hot seat. We'll get into more of it later. Um, we go to Sonia and her family at her house. Um, we fi- so apparently Mommy Nation, which is Sonia's company, their merch is now going to be on some, I didn't catch the name, but some big online brand that reaches like 17 million people, she says. Belk? B-E-L-K. Yes. I've seen them. They what have is, they have stores. Uh, they have they're mostly online. What is Mommy Nation? I Sonya's been on this show for two years, and I still have no clue what this thing is. This is what I'm talking about. Like, why are they not introducing the new housewives on Atlanta? And like, well, they haven't had new housewives well, really on but, Potomac in a while. But, but last but, year they did that photo. Sh- Sonya did that photo shoot right with them for uh-huh. Mommy Nation. But I don't really understand what it is. I feel like it's like a mommy blog, but for like working moms. I guess not for lazy moms. No. Yeah, I mean, but that's kind yeah. of what it is. Yeah. Um. So Sonya, the one bright side of Sonya is the stuff with her family because I, I'm. The only time I'm going to ride for Sonya. Um, Sonya jokes uh, that the issue, you know, oh, but the issue now is that my family's been quitting on me, so I don't know if I can depend on you guys. And her sister Shari looks so pissed. Um, Shari said she was shocked that Ross would want them gone, of what Sonya told them in the last episode. I'm just so shocked that a couple would want to have just them and their child in their home yeah. instead of their entire fucking family. Yeah, well well she's like but she kind of she does she says it nicely than what she said in the confessional last episode about like, you know, well basically they can be absentee parents while we take care of the kids or whatever. She says it in a nicer way to Sonya, like a like yeah. a more sanitized way. Sonya says in her confessional like it does give me peace of mind, you know, when I travel to work to LA or New York, knowing that my kids are taken care of and have that stability. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't understand it in terms of like, I get there's like, like this is you're hiring them quote unquote, but it's like, this is also just like a village. Yeah. The whole idea that like you raise a family with a village, like I don't see why that's like weird. Also in exchange, you have been getting Free room and board. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's why they're mad. They just are losing out on the room and board. I don't know. 
Um, Sonia says that Ross doesn't always understand the logistics, though, of how things operate. And she talks about, like, look, we've missed, like, four cycles that I've had in terms of us trying to have this baby. So it's like, I know Ross cannot think of the full picture in terms of things. Sure, but I don't know that either of them are in a place right now where they have space for a new baby. No, probably not. If she's flying all over the country and he's flying all over the country and they're not flying all over the country together... Girl, who's going to raise that baby? Yeah. Um, she, but Sonia said that she'll talk to Ross about sort of setting up a realistic timeline, right, for them leaving. And then her sister and mom go, you know, basically, we're leaving regardless. And then Sonia's like, well, then why am I, you know, I, I got to wonder then, like, why am I fighting for you to say? And then Shari gets upset about this, of being like, how dare you say, how, wh- why should I fight? F- why should you fight for us? Because you're leaving anyway. You literally just said, it doesn't matter. We're leaving regardless. So why am I wasting my valuable time and effort into trying to convince you to do something you're already dead set against? Yeah. And Sonya's like, you literally just said you're leaving. So that's my point. And then there was a, there was a moment you were like, you go, Sonya, where like they're, ki- they're getting the kids together for like bed or dinner or whatever the two and like shari's like hey can you check to see if i left um my son's uh mac and cheese in the microwave and she's like you check them check it yourself i'm not checking it for you and she I'll, literally just starts laughing and walks away and i'm like you go yeah that was the one good moment you've had sonya is like just being like no i'm not fucking doing that shut the fuck up um credit to her um, Kenya takes Akila, her friend, to her hair care spa that she's renovated. Like she's, got, it, it's sort of everything's bare, but she's getting ready to do mm-hmm. construction on it. I was excited for this. I had no idea she was starting a spa. Like, yeah, I mean, it looks really great. Yeah, and she talks about how it's really important that it's, this is going to be her legacy for Brooklyn mm-hmm. and 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 all that. Um, we see we get hard hat Kenya again in her confessional. Yeah, which we got last season. Um. So yeah, I, I Kenya was great in this, and I think like, and also I was like maybe we can get if it gets good enough. I would love to see a like Vanderpump Rules style. That'd be cool. Of, like, because wouldn't Kenya be like a great LVP? Oh yeah, she would be great. She'd be more involved. Oh for sure. Um, Kenya says talks about how she's you know still like trepidatious getting into the dating pool and that she doesn't really know how to date because it's been so long. Um, and that she likes Roy, the guy that Moneta hooked her up with, but that she he's always out of town, so they don't really have time to date. Yeah, and that can be a struggle. Um, Kenya then tells Akila about everything that happened in Bur- Birmingham and Marlo upsetting Brooklyn and the, mm-hmm. the mess that that was. Um, Kenya basically lays out that Marlo attacks and then plays victim. Yeah, correct. We see it later. Kenya literally goes, the only way Marlo can get in my good graces is if she renegotiated her deal with the devil. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, Kenya tells Akila about Marlo slashing the girl in the face and her going to jail. And Akila's face is just like... She did what now? <laughs> these, are your, these are your friends that you expect me to be around? I don't... I don't want to be around ex-con. Yeah, she was like, TMI. This is too, like, <laughs> you're scaring no, this me. Is, this is good information, girl. Yeah. Keep your distance. That's fair. Um, then we go, I really love this scene. So then we go to Sheree's, um, and she has Cairo and uh, his girlfriend Alina over with their newborn, Mecca. This scene was so sweet and so needed on this season. He was a 
fetus in season oh one. Oh my god, when they did the flashback and he was 15, I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like he was a child. That's a baby having a baby. Yeah, it's oh my god. And like it was really nice to see though, because um, Alina and Sheree are t- start talking, and ta- Alina talks about how. Cairo is such a good dad and that he's willing to just drop everything to tend to Mecca. Um, and Sheree's like, it's really great to see how well he's taken that on because like mm-hmm. when I and Bob had our kids, like I was doing all that shit. Yeah. Bob didn't, we know Bob didn't pick up a finger to change a diaper no. or, or none of that. No, Mm-mm. clearly. Um, and Sheree got this like handprint ornament that, that you have for newborns where you can put the hand. They kept fucking it up. It was great. <laughs> She's like, no, fix that. Fix that right there. (laughs) It was really sweet. And Sheree like even tears up in her confessional about how like she was worried that Cairo wouldn't be ready. And then, but like seeing his actions that she, it's clear that she's, he's ready to be a dad and he's taking on to it and she gets emotional. And I love these scenes. I want more like these scenes interwoven. I think, you know, I, I don't think we, we have very rarely ever seen Sheree cry. Yeah. Like, it's like, I love a good read. I love a good fight on Housewives, et cetera. But, like, I need this as well to, like, keep that, like, emotional investment in these people. Yeah. And, yeah, I thought it was a really sweet and, and, and really nice scene. Um, we then go to Drew's house as her kids are practicing uh, basketball in the driveway. And she talks about sort of nurturing their um, hobbies and stuff like that and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then Drew basically relays to Ralph about everything that's happened with Marlo and says she doesn't want to be around her and that Marlo's basically just looking for a fight. Yep. yep. Um, so, and then, then she talks about her being, like, Marlo being mad that she said incident instead of shooting. And Drew basically is like, says the whole thing of like, being from Chicago, you know, we don't use the word shooting. And she says, when you say it, you're promoting that type of behavior. And we were both like, Okay, but here's the thing. They and and she says it later, and even Kenya, even though she's her ally, being like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I've been in. I think what Drew is doing here is I've been in this situation before. When someone comes at you with something that you've allegedly done, that's like so crazy and like so not what not only you intended, but like is in the realm of a thought process. You then try to like kind of rationalize it in your head mm-hmm. and sort of like come up with the. Well, why do I do that? And like you just kind of make something that makes sense and settle on something. I'm sure this isn't a this isn't a tenant of Drew's life that she's you know rubber stamped for her entire life that she will never say the word shooting and and validate. I don't think she goes around saying that. Right. I think this was like her trying to psychoanalyze herself any sense that marla was trying to make yeah like because i've done that i've i've literally done that before and then i have to check myself and be like oh wait you're trying to reason with crazy yeah like you can't do that yeah so i think i have a theory that that's more what it is that's a little more nuanced though for this show and we're never gonna get that oh yeah yeah no not gonna happen um and Drew, but Drew does say like Marlo, if she had this issue, should have addressed it with Candy if it was such a big deal. You don't attack your friends because of your unresolved trauma. Exactly. Like, period. Um, and she's like, I now understand why Kenya doesn't mess with Marlo. 
And Drew then says, if Marlo's prov- Mar- Marlo provokes her, she can bring Chicago out and feels like she can beat her ass. And, and Ralph goes, Marlo's a big one. <laughs> and Drew, <laughs> Drew's like, you've never seen me fight, which I found hilarious. But we'll get to later where I'm sure it's going to lead to a more producer shenanigans in, uh, in episodes to come. Oh, I'm sure. I guarantee you. I'll, I'll get to that later. But I also don't even know that Drew could reach up and hit Marlo in the face. No, probably not. Drew's not a fighter. <laughs> well, no. Drew's like four foot five. <laughs> yeah. She's not that short, but like she's short. And Marlo is not short. No, not at all. We go to Candy and Todd's house. And Todd's working on the script uh, more for the movie. Um, Candy talks to Todd about like going to this whole beat the uh, what is it called beat the beat the bomb this beat the bomb thing that Courtney's mm-hmm. doing and Candy goes that girl sh- I don't mess with invited me to this event and then the one good thing the editors do they and she's like this girl I don't mess with and they show a, a thing of Courtney going <laughs> like there's a graphic of her like just like but then they also like put this echo on it like she's like some like she's Pennywise the dancing clown yeah, and it's like Pennywise. what is what are we doing yeah it's crazy um Kenya's like or Candy's like you know they Marnetta said something about we're gonna get blasted with paint or like some crazy shit um so I don't even know what to wear so she FaceTimes Kenya to ask her what she's going to wear. And we see Kenya's at this like pool party for Brooklyn in this like bright red, like I'm assuming she was like Ariel. I guess maybe, but that wig was wicked girl. Well, and I love that candy also was like, how are the boys doing? Cause I sent the boys to be a part of the party, but I'm not going. Yeah. That's such a, like, like you can go to this. I don't need to like, I, I I have too much stuff to do (laughs) to like just tend to you at this birthday party. Yeah. Um, Kenya, uh, Candy's like, yeah, Manetta said they're like throwing paint on us or something. And Kenya goes, my hair is insured, so I'll be charging Courtney for any damages. <laughs> and then, so this is where then Kenya then carries the bone. So Kenya then tells Candy what Drew told her about what Marlo was claiming. Um, Kenya is like, Candy basically is like, this has nothing to do with me in terms of at all. And Kenya's like, you know, she claims that you didn't send flowers or whatever. And then they, again, the editors, they keep flashing to the clips of like what Marlo said and then how Drew related, which yes, Drew maybe didn't get it exactly right, but also she didn't even understand. She literally was saying, I didn't even understand what Marlo was even saying. Yeah. And Sheree corrected her. So like, what's the point of showing that Drew like misinterpreted it? Um, being shady, being shady. Candy's pissed. She's literally just like, mm, like to Todd and just like, I don't like, this is the shit I do not put up with. And like, she's fed up. Um, the ladies go to beat the bomb. Courtney is already doing way too much again. It's like, she, it's so, it, she's get, if you watch our um, last episode where we talk about the pump rule secrets revealed, it was giving Tom Sandoval at the roller rink. Literally. Playing for the cameras. It was like, you, know, you don't sound natural. Like, stop. Um, Marlo arrives and Drew completely pays her dust. Does not say hi. Nothing. So good. Perfect. Um, they all start slowly arriving, though. Candy arrives, though, and immediately everyone feels the mood shift with Candy arriving. Sonya asks if Candy's good, and Candy goes, nah. <laughs> Candy literally tells Candy later, not today, Satan. <laughs> That's so good. 
And they're like, yeah, something's up. And Candy just cuts right to the chase before they even start anything. I was like, hey, Marlo, what is this I've been hearing about, like, you saying something about, like, I wasn't there for your nephew and and whatever. And then Marlo's like, can we pull, go to the side and talk about you, me, and Drew? And why like, is Drew there? To, I guess to in terms of, like, she felt, because to, to relay what was said at City Winery, I guess. Yes. But Candy's like, sure. Candy's like, fine, I'll hear you. And then this is when the bullshit starts. So then Marlo, Marlo talks about Drew saying incident. And right off the bat, Marlo's like, so Drew didn't say shooting. She said incident. Any other time when all of us are talking, it's Marlo stabbed a girl. Marlo slashed a girl. Marlo's a convicted felon. Marlo's a whore. So note, just for context sake, this is the first person to bring up anything about Marlo slashing a girl in the face in this conversation is Marlo. Oh, oh was it Marlo? Yeah. Oh, well, just let the record show it was Marlo. Marlo then says, you know, I screamed at you. Shut the fuck up. My nephew's shot and used to work at Candy's. Not really what she said close. It's not the biggest thing. Candy then tries to interject and be like, okay, but this. And then Marlo goes, can I, can I just finish? Can, I, can you let me just finish? Because I'm working on listening. This is what I talked about before about her weaponizing her therapy. of like. Also, that doesn't even make sense. Let me talk because I'm working on listening. Bitch, if you were working on listening, your mouth would be shut. And Candy goes, okay. Like, sure. Finish what you have to say, Marlo. And, cause, but it's like the thing of like, I'm trying, like, performatively being like i'm trying to have a good like a healthy conversation i'm, I'm learning from my from my coach you know i'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying so just let me try mm-hmm. it's to poke it's i've i've been in these things before yeah. where it's like it's designed to poke at you yeah and it's it's so manipulative um marlo says that you know when i brought it up to candy two years ago uh uh she could uh she could tell she didn't want to deal with it and this is where the producers are doing fuck shit. They then cut to Candy in that scene, kind of having a face of like, like, like a sort of like nonchalant face. Just a blank Candy face. But what was that in context of? Yeah. What, 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 like they don't show what that was a response to. They don't show. It's just her face. Like you could pull that face, a clip of someone's face of any of these girls. In any moment. Also, she specifically, if you will remember in that scene, tells Marlo, I'm kind of numb to this sort of thing because that's what I've had to do to deal with my past trauma. But apparently that doesn't count. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. Candy's like, you've been trying to attach the shooting to me, which she has. Yeah. Like Marlo tries to like double back or whatever. Um, Drew then tries to talk and Marlo's like, can, tries to talk some more and is like, Drew, you can leave. You, you called her over here. You literally invited her over to say nothing. She's not allowed to like say her perspective on things. So again, Marlo being antagonistic. Yep. Marlo, Magneta tries to calm Candy down, but like gives up at a certain point and goes back to the table. It's like, it's too much. And Sheree's like, don't be a hero. <laughs> Um, Marlo says, uh, you know, my sister called me crying and Candy Lou just goes, ma'am, he stopped working for us months before he got killed. And then Marlo goes, so what does that say about your character? And this is where I, w- I would have been done. I would have been fucking done just like Candy was. 
Not a goddamn thing. What it literally to answer says, the question. It literally says nothing about your character. And also, that what is that done other than to provoke candy? That was the point, though. Yeah. You, and then Marlo says, Marlo's like, well, he got shot by a guy he met at your restaurant. And Candy's like, no, he, no one, he didn't get shot by anyone that worked at my restaurant. It might have been a patron, but that has nothing to do with me. Which was misconstrued earlier in the season because Marlo was saying from the beginning of the season when this first came up that they were co-workers I, at OLG. I was like, did I misremember that? Because I'm pretty sure she said they were co-workers. And if I didn't misremember that, producers, that would have been a good time to show a flashback. Yeah. To Marlo lying. Yeah. But she didn't. <sighs> Courtney has a moment where she tries to ask Sonya about her kids as this is happening. Because Courtney's like, I'm still on camera, so I need to do the housewives thing where I ask questions about people's stories or whatever. And Sonya's like, no, I can't. I'm focusing on this. Like, this <laughs> like, this isn't the time, Courtney, <laughs> to get your five minutes in. Um, Candy then gets heated and, is, and it gets fed up. And then the girls then all go to try to calm her down. They separate them, right? And then Drew is saying, like, Marlo's being aggressive, and she's telling Sonya to take her outside because she's so aggressive. So this is where I started getting heated mm. because Marlo is doing this performative thing where she puts her hands mm -hmm. behind her back, but she is leaning forward with her shoulders and butting people out of the way with her shoulders and with her arms. Yeah. And hunching over people the same way that, but her hands were behind her back so that she has the excuse of you can't call me aggressive because I don't even have my hands available. Yes. But also, aggressive is a wide ranging term, in my opinion. Right. She, if even you want to say Marlo wasn't physically aggressive, she was verbally aggressive. Yes. She was antagonistic. Yep. She wasn't attempting to get resolution. She was attempting to shit on candy. Yep. To provoke a reaction. Yep. Clearly. So I don't care what word Drew uses. To be perfectly fucking honest. I yeah. really fucking don't. And then we'll see later Sonya becomes the word police again, which it's Ugh. like. Uh, and then Candy, Candy's trying to calm Candy down, and she literally goes, if she pops off, do not grab me. Do not fucking grab me to Kenya. And Kenya's like, I'm not going to grab you. And we were both like, oh, no, don't do anything to Kenya. <laughs> it's like, please, no, Candy. <laughs> yeah. And then Marlon's like, oh, Candy's crying. Keep crying. And then Candy goes, only reason I'm crying right now is I can't choke your ass, bitch. <laughs> uh, and then Candy walks out. Sonya, Marlo explains the, like, the whole, like, Drew said incident, and then it gave me the moment of realizing Candy was, you know, upset me. And then Sonya just performatively is going, oh, okay. Like, that made like, sense. Like, it made any sense. Like, like, as if now you're like, oh, Marlo's clearly in the right. Sonya, you picked the wrong fucking team. Like, Again. Straight up. And then... Uh, Candy and Monyet and the girls are talking outside and Candy then says the let's talk about you and how you sliced that woman in the face and then then they show the flashback from two years ago of being like everyone uses Marlo's crimes against her like again like uh, so frustrating Candy is tired of Marlo trying to rally people against her 
And Drew's like, look, this was back in, like, from my understanding, this was in 2020. So why would she, wouldn't she bring this up then? And Kenya's like, it's not real. Yeah. It's, she does, it's nothing about this is real. Like, there's no. The thing happened. That's all that's real. And then Candy pulls out her text of what the the exchange right and then the next text after that exchange was like five days later where marlo was like asking her about getting on cameo so she's like clearly she wasn't upset clearly she was super concerned about that happening yeah drew's like all marlo has to do is shift her body weight and it's a fight um, you know, and it's like if Marlo's not going to keep her hands to herself, and then this is where the producers yep. do the cutback of Marlo's hands back behind, big arrows pointing to it. But, but also clearly in that picture, you see what I'm talking yeah, about. She's like right. hunching over people, using her shoulders as battering rams, like screaming in people's faces. That is also aggressive. That is also threatening. Yeah. Like, it's, but also, and then. Then we hear Marlo say, anytime they call me aggressive, I'm just going to put my hands in my... P-. And so it's like... So I, it's performative. If, if Marlo hadn't said that in this moment, would the producers have gone and found that clip of her hands in her pockets? Probably not. Yeah. So clearly, you're just taking Marlo's narrative and running with it. Yeah. Well, and clearly it was a plan. Yeah. She knew that she was going to rile Candy up. She knew that, that Candy is you know down to get a little rowdy if need be um so she planned on walking into this and putting her hands behind her back right as a defense as and a introduce the concept of the they bring up me slicing the girl in the face or whatever so then she can manipulate that again it's totally it was all a setup Sheree in her confessional says, Marlo doesn't even get a question out without someone bringing up her past. And then they do a compilation of all the women in the parking lot being like, she slashed a girl, she slashed a girl, etc. Sheree, I, maybe you didn't hear it, but like Marlo was the first to bring it up in the conversation. Yep. Also, Marlo dominated that conversation. And Candy never even brought up to the slashing of the face in front of Marlo. Literally. So Courtney goes outside and apologizes to Candy. And Candy still doesn't fuck with Courtney. And Candy's just like, thanks, I guess. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then Candy leaves. Uh, Drew tells Sonya's out there as well. And Drew tells Sonya that Marla's escalating things and that she got aggressive with her at the city winery thing. And then Drew tells them, uh, you know, Drew then relays the thing of like why she doesn't say shooting. And, and like I said, Kenya and Manana and Sonya, each in their confessors are like, girl, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, at least the, they were honest on that bit. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, notice that how they're able to check Drew. And then later they get accused of all being a gang who just are supporting each other by a gang who are just supporting each other. Yep. Um, Monietta says that she tried to give Marlo a chance after Birmingham. And, and uh, Kenya goes, you've been bamboozled, hoodwinked. And Sonya's like, no, that's not true. Sonya just falling on the sword for Marlo. Again. And Drew goes, uh, tr- uh, Courtney tries to get them to go back inside. And Drew goes, the trick got to go, talking about Marlo. And, and Sonya's like, she is not a trick. What, why are we going now from all this to now calling them tricks or whatever? And Sonya goes, Drew looks like a barking poodle trying to be Candy and Kenya's lapdog. Bitch, where? You are literally Marlo's lapdog right now. 
you can see no bit of sense in your head to where you're just constantly defending Marlo and you're going to accuse other people of being lapdogs? Like, was Drew being a little um, performative with that dog chew toy thing last year? Uh, yeah, in Blue Ridge, absolutely. Absolutely she was. Yeah. Was she still correct in her assessment? Absolutely. Right. Uh, they go back in and Sanya's like, they're leaving. And Marlo's like, Queen Candy is leaving. So now Manana and Kenya won't come in. You know, they're all followers or whatever the fuck. Sanya's like, Mar they keep calling Marlo aggressive and Marlo's not aggressive. And then again, these producers, they didn't need to do this. But then Kenya and Drew, they show Kenya and Drew outside joking about how, you know, they'll be ready to defend themselves. Again, like uh, they're talking about defending themselves in a fight, right? Right. And Kenya's joking, like, my trick is always go right to the throat, open hand or whatever. But she also, like, made, made it a point to, like, lean in and tried to be off quiet enough to where it wasn't yeah, yeah, picked yeah. up on the mic because she was like, I don't want anybody using this against me. But they're gonna. But they're gonna. And then Sonya's like, does the whole, we gotta be really careful as black women to not perpetuate certain things. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. Here we go. I literally can predict what's gonna happen in these next episodes. Is they're going to now take the Drew calling Marlo aggressive thing, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going, mark my words on this. This is going to happen. They're going to take that and link it now to Kenya saying that, oh, uh, Martel was aggressive and that, you know, Ross was aggressive and then link it to Candy bringing up stereotypes about, you know, Marlo's criminal history and all that stuff and being like, you guys, we need to, you know, raise ourselves as black women and not use these stereotypes that hurt our community, etc. They're going to do that. And it's going to, I'm going to literally be sick to my fucking stomach watching it because they're doing it in a, in an alliance, right? With fucking Courtney who has literally said some of the most anti-black shit on this show this season. Yeah. Who have been, who's been saying that candy brings ghetto people to places who said that maybe the reason candy has shootings at her restaurants is because of the culture she creates, like explicit shit. Yeah. I get the whole thing about like calling black people aggressive and stuff. And I get that that's damaging in certain scenarios. I understand all that, you know, to a certain extent, I think that's valid, but uh, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but also that should be something that is a critique against white people using that language against black people. Black people should not have to conform their actions or their verbiage in a way that makes them more palatable to white people. Right. And Marlo has, again, Marlo has literally instigated every fucking fight this season. Yep. The fucking city winery fight, this fight at the beat, the bomb, the f Sonya, you were there when she was mule kicking Kenya's door and fucking disturbing Brooklyn. You Not were even there just for disturbing. That. According to Kenya, she woke up in a terror. Yeah, you were there for that. It's crazy. And Marlo cries, just being like, "Leave my ass alone," you know, et cetera, whatever. So again, literally what Kenya says, she antagonizes and then plays victim. Yep, it's exactly what Kenya said. Um, and then they do, we do like a quick compilation of them doing the whole beat the bomb thing and they get paint thrown on them. It was like 10 seconds, like nothing because <laughs> everyone else just leaves. Um, and that was the episode of Atlanta. 
a good episode if it wasn't for the producer bullshit. Yeah. Like, like genuinely. And I feel like it's just going to get worse. And like, yeah, the, I'm glad the majority of viewers are not buying it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the reunion is going to be the reunion and Candy's not going to hold fucking back. Oh, no. And Candy's going to lay out exactly why Marla is so fucking stupid for this. As long as she doesn't actually play her out. That, yeah. <laughs> then, then we'll be good. Then we'll be good. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, the final part of the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. We are finally going to talk about this last reunion episode of New uh, New Jersey. Why did I say new, new twice? New Jersey. <laughs> you know what? We need a new Real Housewives of New Jersey because this old one is not working. Not at all. Um, we had we were very opinionated after this. <laughs> like like we had a full discussion after this was over. Um. I'm still I'm questioning my original opinion, which was that this was the worst reunion of all time. I think this was by far the worst reunion episode. This episode was the worst reunion episode of all time. I guess people can make arguments of worst reunions. I still think this is at least top five for me. And it doesn't top pe- five or top five worst. Okay. Like. <sighs> And I don't see that dialogue online. It's just, again, everyone being like Team Teresa or Team Melissa and fighting on this stuff that they seem to still care about. I don't. Well, and that's, that's part of what bugs me is that, I mean, you've been watching 
Jersey through the years. I'm a new yeah. Bravo as for the last five years or so convert, uh, at least since COVID. Right. Uh, convert to Bravo. Um, so I haven't really watched and been involved in the online conversations and whatnot, but it seems more toxic this year than it has been in previous years. Um, and maybe part of that is, you know, the restructuring of Twitter and like just how it's more toxic in general right now. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it is all these bots that Louis has <laughs> like right. gotten, you know, because it all, it's those, always tree huggers. But some of those accounts have existed for a long time. But and, that doesn't mean they're not being paid to be worse. Sure. Um, uh, I don't know if they are. It just it just seems worse than it's been in the past. No, I, know. I don't know what is contributing to that, but it's awful. And you know what's the most frustrating thing that I don't know if you know? It, this episode literally got its highest rating of the season. Yeah. And, and it's like that worries the fuck out of me. Yeah. Because that makes me feel like they're not going to change anything. Yeah. And it needs to change uh-huh. badly. Um, we start off as all the men have come out and everything's like been building, you know, you know, Andy basically is worried a fight's going to happen. So there's like this incredible, like awkward silence between everyone. No one's talking. And Andy then just turns to Bill Aiden and goes, should I do Botox? <laughs> and Teresa's like, I think you should. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> You're just going to tell your boss? Yeah, your face is ugly. Teresa, I, if there's one thing about this reunion, Teresa has nothing to lose. I think she's realized that. Yeah. I think that she realized she's done fucked herself. Or she, or like if she's done fucked herself, then yes. Or she's genuinely done and honestly cool. Yeah. Like, like at least there's that, you know, um, Andy welcomes all the men. Um, he compliments Frank's new teeth, which I hate. I like they're way they're, too shiny. They're too white. Yeah. Um, like they're yeah they're like reflective surfaces, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I just Frank says I can't catch up to Polly in hair, so I figured I gotta beat him in teeth. I mean that's fair. Mm. Andy asks, uh, oh god, Andy asks Joe Gorga how he's feeling, and he says that his heart's beating out of his chest, and Andy's like, oh that's funny because literally Teresa like said the same thing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked Andy didn't take the opportunity of, of to go. Let me feel it. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Because you know he's got that man crush on Joe. Like yeah. Uh, Andy says that they put the calendar up that they did in the control room at Watch What Happens Live. Um, Andy asked Frank what he thought of Polly's mom's reaction to the calendar. <laughs> oh lord! And he jokes that it hurt him more than anything. Any any other comments online? And then, so they go through everyone, et cetera. You know, it's fine. And then Andy just goes, so, Louie, can I start with the PJs? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, that was uncomfortable. And Louie's like, it came out wrong. L- Louie's strategy is either, this reunion is either completely cop to, like, a, a cop and apologize or just get aggressive. Well, it's, it's always not even, one of the two. It's not even cop and apologize. It is you misunderstood what I said, or that's not what I meant. Right. It's never, I was wrong. Sure. It's always, I was right, you misinterpreted. Or, I was right, but I didn't say it right. Sure. 
Louis says that it came out wrong, that he doesn't sleep in the pajamas, says that he wore... Well, this is the story that Teresa's telling. That he wore one of the sweats that never was worn by Nono, and it was just done in an endearing way. And you know that, Lou, but Louis does apologize to Joe for it coming off that way. Says he's, you know, I tried to connect with you, and you know, Teresa didn't want this whole thing to happen, this whole fissure, etc. Joe's like, I want honest. I'll be honest with you. I want to believe you, but every time you, I believe you, you screw me. And the, the uh, I'm trying to take notes the best I can. There's so much crosstalk. I'm just yeah. It's so if I messed up, you know, sue me. Um, don't bother. We don't have money. No, yeah, you're not gonna get anything. Joe says, um, you know, he wanted a family and a brother-in-law. Says that when Teresa came back from prison, she was humble. I called her every day. Right, Teresa? Did I call you every day? And Teresa goes, because we were filming. Okay. Okay. Teresa says they never asked her. Again, she's like, you guys never asked me to go out to dinner, even though we just had this conversation. There's also a lot of rehashing from the first two episodes, and I was just like... But also, I'm I'm fine with rehashing if the men provide a different perspective, but the same players were just rehashing. Like, this, this is my issue, was that, like... Oh, it was chaotic with seven people on the stage. Let's add eight more. Yeah. Who all want to fucking talk. Yeah. It was like, uh, our, to sum up our biggest issue that we talked about, we both, me and Merlin were both like, it's not like there's not meat to this season, right? It's not like there's not stuff there. It's not like there's not like, you know, interesting information it's not like there's like backstabbing or like stuff to get to but it's like everyone to either talks around it or just yells at each other without making a point like one of the frustrating things about this reunion is that there were accusations just being thrown like darts at a dartboard as if we knew what the fuck they were talking about and they were just like random accusations that only exist online have never been brought up on the show and they never get mentioned again on the show. They are literally just a barb thrown across the room and never mentioned again. Yeah. It's like someone randomly would bring it. It is as absurd as someone randomly pulling out a rubber chicken chunking it at the other person and then no one acknowledges yeah. it this reunion the, the definition of this reunion is chronically online <laughs> literally and the and that's maybe why the twitter people loved it so much i guess but it's like i also don't even understand why you would love the the twitter the tree huggers and the melissa haters or whatever whatever they call themselves whatever her asian calls herself but like like i've been following the threads a little bit on twitter but, like, they would have moments where you would think they were going to bring it up, and then there's no details. So it's like... Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys were hoping for details. Like, and it didn't happen. Yeah. But, like, you know, Teresa says, like, you never asked me out to go to dinner because you were like, we only go out with couples. And Melissa's like, you went out single all the time or whatever. And then Teresa's like, Melissa, I'm talking to my brother. To, to basically tells Melissa to shut the fuck up. Annie's face is like, I would like to hear from Louie. And then they just keep fucking cross-talking. And honestly, at this point, I'm, I kind of agreed with Teresa of just like, can Teresa and Joe just talk? Like, this is like, 
like Louie was kind of a dick about it and, and was like, you know, we both need Melissa stay out of it. You and I need to stay out of it. It's kind of rude for him to say that to Melissa, but I think there is a point there. Like my other frustration with this whole thing we'll get to later is like, there's all this discussion. Like we spent more time at this reunion which could be the last reunion we see Teresa and Melissa on together and Teresa and Joe on together. Yeah. This could be the last time we see them on television. And we spent a good 85% of this reunion talking about private investigators and people threatening other people, etc. And we never get to the meat of the relationship with Teresa and Joe. I feel like if we're going to do exposés, like, because we just had this, like, Hulu documentary on the whole uh, Randall yeah. thing. I need a Hulu documentary on this relationship mm-hmm. and all of the bullshit. I need them to do a deep f- dive into the facts. I need to not actually hear from any of these motherfuckers. This is the reunion where Andy needed to do the separate interviews. Literally. Like, if I could have, like, I wanted to hear a separate thing from. Margaret giving me the details of Louie allegedly calling her son at work and yeah. threatening him. I want to know what the fuck was in John Fuda's manila folder that we never got to. And that thing was like a novel. But how could we get to it? How could we get to it in that environment, in that format? Yeah, we couldn't. It's impossible. Yeah. Teresa, like, this is the last time I'll get to speak to my brother and Joe's. And they're like, oh, this is the last time she's cutting us off or whatever. It's like. You're both cutting each other off. Shut the fuck up. I'm so sick of this. You're all just blaming each other. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm just, I'm tired. <laughs> Andy tells them both to stop. Uh, Andy asks Joe, ben- like, we're like, just move on. Like, we're done. Like, Andy asks Joe Benigno what it's like having a toddler in the house. Like, just, like let's talk about any other fucking topic. Um, Nate uh, was asked about, like, it felt like John Fuda was the one that was getting hazed the most as, like, the newbie, and Nate's like, I just let him, I'm fine saying, saying the background for that. Um, Frank talks a little bit more about the Dolores stuff, and is like, you know, I was able to let Dolores, Del- I'm able to let Dolores go in mm-hmm. terms of the romantic relationship, kind of the stuff they talked about at the yeah. dinner and stuff like that. Um, we found out that him and Brittany actually closed on their own house. Good for them. Um, but they hadn't told... David, David yeah. yet. <laughs> and he's like, I'll have to tell him by the time this comes out. So, um, Frank, I think, so also there is an extended version on Peacock, by the way. Mm. There's not much in it. It's like tiny shit. It's really not that different than the main version. Frank says he thinks he'll get married uh, one day. Um, and then they both, Frank and Paulie both agree that they're in a really great place right now. Good. Um, a question gets asked if Bill ever feels guilty for ignoring his family. And Andy's like, that's harsh. <laughs> it is kind of harsh. But to be fair, the way that they presented it on the show was like he was coming home from work and not coming in the house. And not even ever. saying hi to the kids. Yeah. Ever. Like he never saw his children. And Bill talks about like, you know, I chose a profession that's not really suitable for quality time with my family. And like. It's a demanding job. Andy says, like, how's the, have you gone to therapy again? And he, cause Andy is like, you kind of looked miserable, Bill, in therapy. And Bill, we both had an issue with this. Bill goes, I wasn't miserable. I work hard to try to make my wife happy. 
coddling how she feels. I don't like that word. The stress of the kids. Those things got ignored a little bit. Don't say coddling. I don't like that word. Because that basically is like... That diminutizes... I'm going to sit and listen to your feelings that are clearly crazy is what it is what that sounds like to me. diminishes that's the word i was looking for yeah um but bill and jennifer both agree that he's made changes good for them um, <laughs> we go to Polly uh to talk about dolores um i don't know if you got i felt like Polly had like slight sea legs at this reunion of like first time jitters this is a weird one to jump in on yeah i mean uh, I'd have sea legs too, because I'm pretty sure that the ground was rumbling under his feet. Yeah. He kind of was like, didn't want to say the wrong thing. Paulie says that like Dolores doesn't want to get married. I think he meant currently, but right. they, but they had to look like, huh? And he's like, you know, we want to take our time. Yeah. He doesn't, re- I think he doesn't realize yet like the sound bites of yeah. a show like this and how they get twisted. Yeah. Um, you have to speak very clearly. Um, Polly says that the divorce is in the works and Dolores goes, well, I mean, you can't get married if you aren't divorced. And Polly goes, I mean, you can change religions. <laughs> um, also, just in case anyone wants to jump in the comments about that. Yes, we know that Mormonism has not allowed for multiple wives for a long time now. It is not something that is, that it's not a thing. It was a joke. Yeah. Um, Paulie says that he has a good relationship with his ex, but basically like she's still my ex, you know, so it's not it, yeah. as good as it can be. And Delor- but Dolores is the first woman that he's ever brought around to their kids. So that says something. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to him. So then Andy then asks this. is the, Again, this is the part where it's like, I don't know what we're doing here. Andy asks if um, Frankie Jr. left the company that Louie uh. ran. And Frank's like, Lou, he's no longer working for Louie. Just says that. That's all Frank says. Andy then asks what ha- what happened. Frank kind of hesitates. He doesn't really say anything. Um, uh, Dolores goes, he got another job and that's it. And Joe goes, that's not what I heard. Joe Gorga. I didn't really love Joe. I didn't understand why Frank wasn't talking. I guarantee you that Dolores had already told him, I don't want to talk about it. So I think it's, in the the Frankie Jr. thing is really interesting to me. He's a fucking adult, first of all. First of all. But you did see... So I told you about the text messages that, that someone sent where Frankie Jr. was like, no, like, the job just ended. You know, I had no problem with Louie, et cetera. Everything's fine. And someone did point out, like, the scene where Joe and Frank are talking about it at the construction site, I think was filmed... They said it was filmed in August. And in November, Frankie Jr. is at like a hockey game with Louie and his kids. So it can't, I don't understand. How, like, that is confusing of like. Yeah, this is, again, more of the shit is said and left and never dealt with. And we don't get a chance to actually deep dive into what happened. But it's confused. So Louie basically is like, well, Joe, you tell it then. I'd love to hear your narrative. And Melissa whispers, let Frank tell it. Dolores says, and Dolores is like, Louie gave Frankie a job. He was thankful for it. And I don't want Frankie talked about in the cesspit. Um, and Frank whispers, I'm not saying anything first. They got to bring it up. Why, why though? You were talking about it in the green room. And to me, because to me, like what we know, at least from what Frank has already said, which was that he, he was working for Louie. 
the company closed, but Louie never informed Frankie Jr. about it. Um, and so Frankie was left in the loop, uh, out of the loop, essentially. Now, just, um, just that, because that's all that Frank has said so far, right? Right. Is it unprofessional? Yes, completely. Is it rude? 1,000%. Um, if there's an issue of like pay and something like that, then yeah, that's it, that, that I think needs to be dealt with and, and all that stuff. But the way they're talking, the way Frank is talking about it and the way Joe Gorga is talking about it, it seems like there's more. Yeah. And it seems like, like, was there like abuse? Was there like, like he made Frankie do something on the job that was like, like they're implying that there's something really extra nefarious about it. Yeah, and it's just, it's really confusing and really frustrating. And Frankie Jr. is apparently now unfollowed Joe Gorga. Yeah. Because um, Joe, so Joe then jumps in and is like, you know, Frankie, you know, I've known Frankie for a while. He's told me some things. And Dolores is like, Joe Gorga, this ends right here. Our relationship has always been good. You, we and I have never had a problems, and you don't want one. So drop it. I kind of like Dolores doing this to an extent. I, I do too, but I also, I, I'm glad that she's putting her foot down on something, but I also don't think that it's fair. I, it's maybe not fair. I agree. Like with, we have literally I, on I this know. podcast had issues with people hiding things. I from agree. The I totally want to know, but I understand Dolores's instinct as a mother too, of like, this has gotten so fucking toxic. Everything here with yeah. everyone involved. I don't want my kid brought in this. I get that. I also... For what, something, especially if it's not something super intently serious. Well, what I can kind of figure has happened. This is the story I am constructing in my head as I'm speaking because this was what makes sense to me and how I can wrap my brain around it. Yeah. So follow with me on no, this I, a little bit of a narrative. This thing happens where... Frankie is out of a job. Right. At Louie's hand. And Frankie calls his dad pissed about it because his right. dad is supposedly friends with Louie. Right. Um, and he's mad about it. He's probably ranting because it's probably in the moment. Yeah. Um, Frank Sr. takes that as gospel, and this is how he still feels about it to this day. Mm. instead of realizing that his emotions were probably heightened in that moment, he said things in that moment to vent and then no longer feels that severely about it. Right. And things probably developed, moved forward. And, you know, him and Louie came to an understanding and they're fine. And... Frank Sr. never got that information. Yeah, I never got the memo. And so in Frank Sr.'s mind, Louie's an asshole. Louie hung my kid out to dry. And my ex-wife is forbidding me to speak about it. But my friend Joe right here, he will bring it up. And I won't get in trouble by my ex-wife. Right, 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 right. That's what I think happened. That's yeah. That makes I think sense. they're working on old information, which I understand if that's the only information you have. But I think I would have called him and checked on him before I brought it up at a reunion. That's yeah, I agree. So like, 
I don't know. Andy Andy says that this begs a lot of questions. Uh-huh. And then John Fuda jumps in and goes, I have a question. <laughs> and he's like, and then he brings up the the contacting of his ex and who was in prison. And Louis says he never had him investigated. Fuda John Fuda was hot here. Yeah. I liked how he fucking didn't take bullshit. Yeah. And and stood up for his family. Fuda says that Bo Deedle's friends are subcontractors that he happens to know. And John's like, you, you know, you leave my kid out of this. And uh, Teresa goes, can you prove it? You know, something that innocent people say all yeah. the time. <laughs> you know, and I think what I like more about Joe, uh, or not Joe, um, John. John Fuda bringing this up is we forget this is his rookie season. Yeah. Like, he's not dealt with this before. He's jumping in with both feet, defending his kid. And it's also like, what did I sign up for? If like, I like, this isn't a, this is a fucking reality show and you're going to fucking like. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's good on him. Yeah. Good on fucking him. John points out that you can't, just can't contact someone in prison. The number was traced back to the people at Bo Deedle. Um, And Louis like, so take it up with Bo Deedle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Louis says that he, so Andy that is like, so you, all this stuff that you said at the, at the finale or whatever, or whatever, explain that. And Louis, like, I misstated that I, hi, that I hired Bo Deedle. It was just, oh, some, he misstated. It's just oh. something I said out of, it's just something I said out of anger. And then Andy goes, but you also said it the next day though. Right, 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 yeah, right, right. It doesn't right. make any sense. It's just a coincidence that you're friends with Bo Deedle, and Bo Deedle is also tied back to intimidating and digging into yeah. and trying to stir up bullshit information. And we've seen on Instagram about people getting hired to do um, smear campaigns against Melissa and Joe and Marge. Right. Like, and Bodito's connected to all of that, but it's just a coincidence. But also, he's just my friend. I didn't hire him to do private investigations. He, I just hired him for other stuff, which we'll get to later. Uh-huh. Um, Rachel says that Bodito was sitting at a table next to her and Melissa when they were out to dinner. <laughs> That's terrifying. That's literally fucking terrifying. Like, are we fucking mob wives now? Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and... John, I didn't, well, not, not that I didn't agree with it, but I think there's, I don't think he understood this. He goes, client privilege. Why would he say that he's doing it? Like, why would Bo Deedle cop to it? Because it's client privilege. It's like, knowing Bo Deedle, I don't think he follows, like, bar ethics in terms of client privilege. I don't privilege. know that he follows much of ethics at all. Yeah. But I, I will probably um, say that the reason he said that is probably because that's the excuse he was given by Bo Deedle's people. Right. Um, uh, we can't talk about that. That's client privilege. <laughs> John says that he got uh, Louis's number. John's like, I got your number. And Louis goes, I got your number too, John. Again, real innocent. You got his number on what? I thought you didn't investigate him. Like, Louis is like real, really, he's coming off as like fucking Scarface in this whole oh, thing. Yeah. It's terrifying. Uh, John, John says, I got connections, big ones. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is getting out of hand. There's more crosstalk. Andy can't, Andy can't get a word in. Literally at this point, like six different people want to say something. Six people think, think they have the most important point in this conversation. And then Margaret pulls out her manila folder to say something. And Andy just goes, wait, stop. <laughs> and like, as quick as Margaret pulls it out, she then puts it right back. Like, <laughs> 
It was like seamless. Just like, oops, sorry. <laughs> um, Andy says that production got a call from a security person um, outside. And Louis said that, yeah, Bo Deedle sent him for me. <laughs> and everyone, like, Rachel just starts laughing. Like, what? <laughs> like, so he can get, sec- you can get security, you hire security people from him, but not private investigation. Okay, cool. And then Louis claims that they had gotten death threats the last week. Um, from who? Yeah. Uh, Louis says that Bo Deedle is working on the case of someone harassing him. And then Teresa's like, Margaret's talking to that person. I missed that. Yeah. Maybe that was in the bonus. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember anymore. But like, again, it's just, I, I'm sure Margaret does a lot of things, but it just also feels like default blame Margaret. I don't know. Yeah. And then Louis tells Margaret, let's play. It, it's there's a something it's I, diabolical not for like sex like like not it's not sexist but like not for like you know certain rules for men and for women but like the way he starts talking to margaret was really uncomfortable to me yeah like it was like and and joe benigno speaks up once but i don't think he spoke up enough in terms of like do no. not talk to my wife like that like like i just it was scary like he was like openly threatening people threatening people yeah louis says you know does it need to be exposed how margaret's paying bloggers um margaret then says that louis under criminal investigation for threatening her son um frank is like you have no credibility louis and then this is where he asks uh louis if he hired bo deedle to do a slander campaign against him and joe and margaret Who was Frank sitting behind? Behind? He was like in between Melissa and Margaret. It's just, I just started, I just realized they brought Frank out here and he's not connected to anyone. He's just floating in husband space. You think he would have put him on next to Polly? Well, no, because he's not on that side of the couch. He's yeah. clearly on the other side of the sure. couch. That's fair. But like, it's, it's weird. He's just floating out here in husband space. <laughs> I feel like they almost need to cast Brittany at this point. Yeah. I feel like they might, honestly. <laughs> Frank at least probably is pushing for her hard. Louis probably. De- Louis denies the slander campaign. Uh, Louis goes, what is there to investigate about Frank Catania? And Frank goes, well, actually, there's a lot to investigate about me, unfortunately. I'm like, well. But he also follows that up by saying, but it's all out there. Yeah. And, and then Louis's like, but that would be nothing to benefit me. Um, Danielle, Danielle wants clarification. She's like, okay, what's a smear campaign? And Melissa's like, bad tweets, bad publicity. And Rachel goes, that's why you see so much hate on social media. I understand your point you made earlier, but it seems like it's getting more toxic. There were plenty of that hate for Melissa before Louie. But it's nasty. Yeah. Like it's like delusion level, like. I know we don't talk about uh, politics a lot, but it's, it's MAGA-level oh, crazy yeah. people. Oh, for sure. And I don't feel like it's been that bad before. The, this Jersey reunion went full MAGA. Like, it's scary. And, like, I mean, it also makes sense when you look at who they follow on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Um, Margaret's like, tells Louis, you have a fucking tattoo of warrior on your chest. I don't know what that means, but I guess it's something bad. I don't know. And Louis goes, you're damn right I do. <laughs> and then tells Marge, be careful. I'm like, you need to stop. You really need to stop talking. 
it's it's bad. Like I I guarantee you we're gonna end up in another Teresa goes to jail moment and it's gonna be next to Louie this time. Yeah. Cause there's there's no way that there's not fire from all this smoke. Yeah. That man's gonna go to jail at some point. And he's going to take her right back in with him. And she's not going to get just a slap on the wrist like she did last time. Because this is her second time. Yeah. Joe says, how's Rue La La? You own Rue La La? And I'm like, what? No fucking clue what that's about. I, okay. I, 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 I try to follow the Gossamer threads on Twitter. And like, I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about there. It's like, what is Rue La La? Please explain it. Like, no one explains it. Like, like I know what Rue La La is. It's like a... It's like athleisure wear for women but it's like specifically high-end but it's also like a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme like i know what that is i know what it is as the brand but i have no idea how louis is connected to that i don't fucking know louis goes this was a good read by louis though he goes how's your building you get a million dollars in fines last week that i've heard about yeah uh Teresa, and the one moment of levity, lev, levity, Teresa then turns to Louie and goes, don't stoop to his lever. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the bright light bulb that is Teresa Judice. Jesus Christ. Um, Teresa says people go to Louie and tell him information. That's all this is. He, they, they go to him and tell him information. Oh, so it's good like, enough for Louie, like, but not, not Marge. It's like, you just were like, Margaret's oh, Marge. not allowed to have people bring her information, but Louie is. And that makes him innocent. Yeah. And Louie, I forgot who even says this to, I think maybe to Joe, he goes, your day is coming. Yeah. Whoa. It's disgusting. What the fuck? It's, it's like movie villain, like level crazy talk. It's, I don't get it. Joe goes, you're hiring these companies and these girls. They talk. We know everything. And Louie goes, I know everything. <laughs> like he's a movie villain. I don't get it. Like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. <sighs> so then they discuss the pizza business. Oh, God. And he's like, we haven't really heard Louie's side of this through his mouth. Louie says that basically he gave Joe's nephew a check for 110000 for 2200 ovens and that Joe agreed. Melissa then jumps in and Teresa's like, she like, you're not involved. You're not involved. And then Andy's like, can we let Louie fucking finish? <laughs> and then, but then Teresa, and Melissa then just keep sniping at each other again. Like, just like not taking like, no one. Like they all want the last word. And Melissa goes, you're embarrassing. And Teresa goes, you're embarrassing. And Andy goes, you are both embarrassing. <laughs> Um, Louie, uh, said he called to ask if he wanted to take five, uh, if Joe wanted to take five or 10%. Uh, Lou, Joe basically says they never talked about money and that Louie screwed him. Okay. Like, uh, I don't know who to believe. At least, I, I, there was maybe more details in what Louie was saying over Joe, but like, I don't know. But I was Polly cause Polly then I think turns to whoever was next to him. I think it was Nate and goes, I'd like some pizza right now. <laughs> Ironically, they end the episode with pizza. Yeah. Joe says it wasn't even about money, you know, and Teresa's like, yeah, we took a loss at the end of the day. We took a loss. And Louis says that he told Louis says that he told Joe to call it skinny Italian because of the marketing through line with Teresa's other businesses and companies, um, et cetera. And then just more fucking cross talking. You can't decipher anything. It's just a mess. 
Um, John Food is asked on his thoughts on this whole pizza oven thing. And he says that there should have been a document. And then as he's talking, though, Teresa goes, thank you, John. I said that to him. I said that to him, but he said, oh, but it's your bro. Like, just not, again, just not stopping. And Andy just turns to Teresa and goes, let him talk. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, poor Andy. <laughs> um, they asked about Dina's husband, David, and uh, Louis says that Joe lied about the fallout of that, that there was no issue, and that uh, that David is threatened to sue Joe Gorga. And then, again, but again, uh, this is the part where it's just like accusation after accusation, which is no through line. Joe then, Joe then just calls Louis a woman abuser. And, and uh, Teresa's like, that's not okay. He treats me amazing, uh, et cetera, or whatever. Louis then tells him, you're going to meet your match one day. Fucking hell. Um, But also, like, I mean, it's also, it's Louis' fault that this is the case, but it's like, are we, is really Joe Gorga going to be like the defender of women and like how you treat women? Yeah. I'm just like, like, this is the position we're in. Great. Awesome. You know, and nothing was brought up about BravoCon. Of, uh, the oh, fight with Nothing. They, they, there was so much stuff they didn't fucking talk about. They didn't talk anything about like the text exchanges before filming started and inviting Joe and Melissa out to the to Teresa's birthday party and them rejecting it and saying it was fake for the camp for like the stuff I actually cared about getting answers to. Yeah, all they did was snipe at each other. Uh Joe says, Louis, you know, you turn from this nice guy and then you'll be like in due time. Like you're all threatening. And Louis says in due time is that you'll regret what has happened to this family. And Joe says, I regret it every day. It's not me, bro. Um, Andy then asked Joe, Andy's like, okay, so Joe, while you were gone, Teresa said that she had a conversation with Jacqueline where Jacqueline apparently said that you were meeting with Joe Judice's ex-partner. Um, and it's, you're the reason they're in prison. Um, f- before Joe says anything, Frank jumps in and Frank goes, Joe, can I just first say, as your attorney, do you release attorney client privilege? And Joe goes, yes. And then Frank says, as his attorney at the time, I can say that we were contacted by the FBI at the time to discuss Joe Judice. They only said Joe Judice. And Teresa's like, I understand that. Like I, I've already said like it, he wasn't going to take me down. Like he, did, he didn't intend to take me down. He, I was just collateral damage or whatever. She doesn't say that because Teresa doesn't have the words to say that, but you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then Frank basically was like, we were contacted by the FBI, but Joe never showed up and she, and he never said a word. And I, is that, are you allowed to just no-show the FBI? Yeah. I guess. I guess you, you have the right to remain he's a, silent. He's also a witness. He's not required. That's, yeah. He's not under a subpoena. He was invited to an interview. Yeah. And then Teresa then just starts speaking Italian to Joe, which they don't even subtitle, but I guess I'm, I'm assuming. It's, it's the, you broke, you broke my, my heart. heart. Yeah. Because Joe replies, you broke my heart a long time ago. Um, Marge asked Teresa, like, why do you believe just every bad rumor? And Teresa's like, Jacqueline has no reason to lie. And then Andy jumps in and goes, you suddenly standing for Jacqueline Larita is like the joke of the century after you literally talk, me after you talking shit about her for 10 years. And Teresa's like, I didn't talk shit. And Andy's like, oh my God, roll the tape. <laughs> but Teresa's point is that they both came for each other. 
I also I that but was, who gives a shit? Like when was like the last time Jackie was on our screen or Jacqueline. Jacqueline was on our screens? You were fucking hating her. You literally hated her, right? But I made the point though that Jacqueline also hated Melissa. So and but my thing is. When the whole story came out online originally about Jacqueline, Jacqueline saying this, that was my instinctual reaction was, I don't know what she gets out of this. She's living in Vegas. It's not like she's going to get... She's not anymore. Where is she live? But she's, she's not living in Jersey. She's back in Jersey. Is she really? I think so. I always thought she was still in Vegas. But, but I don't think she wants to be back on Housewives. At the most, she would be on a girl's tr- ultimate girl's trip. But like, like, I just didn't see the incentive... For her to do that for selfish purposes to yeah. me, that's that's you know, um, Joe said Joe Gorga then starts talking up again and says, if you would have met an average guy who wouldn't have came in with all these videos talking about like all the stuff about like that they brought up last season, he's like he's a disaster. And then this is where Teresa starts standing up and goes, Joe, you know you're you're you want me to start talking? You have stuff in your past, and I was like. If you follow Twitter, all the tree huggers were really excited about this scene being in the trailer because they were like, oh my God, Teresa's finally going to talk about the things that she's been holding inside because she wanted to protect her family and her parents and all that stuff. She's finally going to expose Joe Gorga. They were so excited about this. And then she doesn't say anything. Yeah. I, maybe it was cut. Like the... Just say that it was cut. That's the biggest offense. But like, if Joe Gorga fucked over the selling of of his parents' house, and that's why they never talked, and it was and he screwed his parents over, say that. If the story, which is I'm not saying it's true, it's just a thing that was going around on Twitter, alleged, you know, whatever. I don't. I do, there's no definitive evidence I've seen of it, whatever. But people were sharing around the thing that like, the thing is that Joe raped a girl in college and he had to leave college because of it. And they had to pay the girl off essentially. If that's true. And that's what Teresa's saying. Say it. Also, this Joe, is the place to say it. And Joe was inviting her to say anything she wanted. Yeah, to. He goes, bring it on. Mention it. He the full on Bethany Frankel. Mention it all. If you're not gonna say it, what's the point? Like, why are we here? Also, I do want to flag Jacqueline does still live in Las Vegas. It's Ashley, her daughter, who has moved back, back to, to Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You're right on that. Um, Teresa goes, "Thank you, Margaret. You fucking ruined the family." And he goes, "Oh, so she ruined it." Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't already fucked up before Margaret ever came into this picture. Yeah. Um, Andy asks, Andy goes, can we do something old fashioned and pretend I'm the host? <laughs> uh, I think this was all in the bonus, by the way. So Andy asked Joe, uh, how it felt watching Gia and Gabriella be upset about the podcast comments that we saw on the show of uh, talking to Teresa and Louis at the home about how they were upset about the podcast comments. Uh, and Joe's basically like, you know, I didn't like seeing that. They shouldn't be getting involved. Um, they talk more about the food on the table comment. Melissa's like, I already answered that. And it's like, yes, but I want, I want to hear what Joe has to say. That's the point of Joe being out here. I don't need Melissa to then like, just repeat what she said in episode one. Like, I want to hear what Joe has to say like about it. Yeah. But the point of the reunion is not to rehash what happened on the show. It's to get answers 
for things that we didn't get answers to. Sure. If she already answered the question, then why are we asking the question again? Right. And so, but then she's like, the point of me saying that was, and she lays out like, you know, it, it may have come across that way. This is what I'm saying. You know, you know, it's getting interpreted as that, but this was my intention. And I do agree with Jennifer on this. Jennifer speaks up and says, why don't you just apologize for it? Like, it doesn't take, like, I get because now you're not going to apologize for it now because things are so heated and it's beyond yeah. it at this point. But even at the time, it's like, why not just say you were sorry for it? That you didn't intend for it to come out like that. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand getting to this point with people. Yeah. They don't, like, commu- don't. they don't communicate. Yeah. There's no communication and it's, it's just, there's no actual hope for a reconciliation because they don't have one, the language of therapy, let alone the desire to actually talk in a way that would be, be therapeutic. Yeah. Teresa says that Melissa and Joe made money off of Teresa checks in too. So for them to say, Oh, we put food on your table by doing the show. It's like, it was a job for you as well. You also made money. So like, you know, uh, Annie asked Joe if he regrets not going into the wedding. Joe says, no, um, Joe, Joe says before the wedding, they did the pizza gate thing. And I'm like, can we not call it pizza gate? There's already a thing called pizza gate. And, and like, it was just the stupid as this is <laughs> like to be completely honest. And knowing some of the people, some of you guys follow, maybe you believe it. Um, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Louis says, Joe's lying about the conversation about the rumor of him bringing Joe to the house to tell him about the Melissa rumor or whatever. Louis says that they were, they never said that they believed it. And they never said that there were multiple people. Um, Louis said, uh, Louis gets asked like, okay, why didn't you also invite Melissa over? Louis like, I just called Joe. I mean, I probably should have included Melissa. I just didn't think about it. At least that's a better, like Louis terrible at this reunion. Don't get me wrong. Like he's not batting a, a winning average. At all. By any means. At least in those moments, he doesn't... Tr- like, if Teresa was asked that, she would have crafted this, like, weird defense that doesn't make any sense and that justifies it in her head, et cetera, whatever. I, there was something refreshing of Louis just being like, yeah, I probably should have invited Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Melissa... Doesn't Melissa say uh, to the, we didn't mention multiple people? Mel- Ter- <laughs> Melissa's like... You did. This is the person well, you yeah. mentioned. She says, you brought up a name of a different guy. And Teresa goes, that's another rumor. And Melissa goes, so there is multiple. <laughs> like, So, like, it's stupid. Um, we didn't say it was the same rumor. We said that you brought it up at the same time. Yeah. Joe reiterates that Gia told him over the phone that you can do better than Melissa, right? And so Teresa's pissed about this and, and she's like, I'm calling. And the, she says, it like, I'm calling my daughter right now. I'm calling my daughter. This was clearly staged. I'm calling my daughter. This to me feels clearly staged. Teresa, are you calling your daughter? Say it another seven times. I didn't get the message. <laughs> because I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't, the, uh, the fact that Gia answers the phone and she's like, I'm enjoying my, um, my time by the beach or whatever the fuck it is that she says to she mention said, where she, she said, is. Cause she, she's at Coachella and Gia goes, Oh yeah. Coachella. Well, she's in the desert. Well, she says, you should see the resort I'm at. It's beautiful. And Andy goes, I wish I was there. Gia. <laughs> it's like, get me out of here. I really hope that they taped this after the Vanderpump rules reunion. Because if they did it before... They did it after. 
Yeah, because if they did this before and then Andy had to go into Vanderpump after that, I think he would have jumped off a bridge. By the way, anyone on all the people online during the Pump Rules reunion being like, this is way too toxic. They're way too aggressive. They're, you know, no, Sandoval is not allowed to get a word in. Watch this reunion. Watch the Jersey reunion. That's actually someone not like, that's actually a terrible reunion. Yeah. Every, like, every, at least everyone got their points across at the pump rules reunion. Like, yeah. Um, you know, Melissa whispers to Joe, just leave it alone. Don't even comment. Just let her say it. And then Annie asks Gia about it. And Gia says, I called him regarding the wedding saying that he should do the right thing that Nona and Nona are looking down on them. And my mom wanted him to walk her down the aisle. I never told him that he could do better than my aunt Melissa. And it's sad, Zio Joe, that you're trying to call me a liar. Mm, he never called you a liar. He said, this is what you said. You're the one calling him a liar. I guess you could say you're putting me in a position so to that, call me a liar. So that means any time that two people have different opinions of what happened, one is calling the other person a liar. Sure. Yeah. And he tells her, have fun. Don't take anything anyone gives you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he would know. Um, Teresa, uh. Uh, uh, Melissa's like, why would Joe lie about that? And Teresa goes, because he's married to you. Wow. <laughs> Teresa, I missed that. Yeah. Teresa's like, I was always good to tell Joe. I was always good to you. And I always put you first. We were best friends. That I was like, oh my god, Teresa. Okay, but then she cries and like, this is disgraceful. And then she storms off and she's like, this is disgusting, whatever. And then she goes out the door and then uh, she turns around and screams, and don't come following me. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Melissa goes, she's embarrassed, and I get it. And then smiles. Okay. I'm just tired. Like I don't take joy in this. Like you know. Teresa is like, I don't want him following Joe following me back here. I am done with him after today, et cetera. Danielle's trying to reason with Joe and be like, that's your sister. Forget all this. And Joe's like, she's never going to give up what's in her brain of hers. Um, Melissa goes, she's literally having her child lie right now. And Jennifer's like, I don't think Gia's lying. Um, Teresa FaceTimes Gia crying. Uh, and Louis, Louis doesn't help. This happens all season where Louis just is like saying things that like just he's like, he goes like your brother aligns himself with everyone on that side of the bench. What's the point of saying that in this moment? You mean to tell me that Louis stokes the fire? Oh, I ju- I I that's never why, would have guessed that's that. That's why he's so red. I, I guess that's why he's so red. <laughs> For- Frank says he's never seen the things as bad as it is now with Louie than it was with Joe Judice. Again, I guess. I mean, yes, people are being threatened. And I think in, in as far as was Joe Judice a bad person? Yes. He was not a supervillain. Yeah. He was not, you know, taking out political or not political, but social hits on people. Sure. Like, he wasn't... Joe Judice was just, like, happy to be there. Joe Judice was like, I'm just going to evade some taxes and fuck some (laughs) random people. Honestly. Like, I just... I want my money and my women. Joe Judice did not want to be on this TV show. Let's be real. Yeah. 
Um, Jennifer says that Louis told her he didn't hire Bo Deedle. Okay, that's lock solid, Jennifer. Don't care. <laughs> Annie, though, asked John, she's like, why, what would be the purpose of going after you, you and Rachel? Like, what's the purpose for him? And Melissa's like, I think it's just because he, there's so much out about him that he wants a folder so it's like equal footing or whatever. Yeah. Um, Annie then goes to talk to Teresa. Uh, Louis says that Gia, uh, they were talking the other day, because I'm sure, I think, like, when this happened, like, Teresa probably, like, approached this with, with Gia, was like, did you say this? Louis says that Gia said the other day, if I would have said anything close to those words, it would have been, you could do better for my mom in this moment. And you were saying, too, you are like, could this be a miscommunication that was interpreted differently right but if that's the case then that should have been what gia said instead she lodged a bullet and sure. said you're a liar and you're calling me one yeah and well, that's disgraceful you're an awful person when you know in the back of your head that you said something very similar to that and it very well could have been misconstrued well, but, so but, instead of putting that forward this is where i'm talking about these the girls in Teresa's household have been conditioned to hate and go after Joe and Melissa because that doesn't make sense for her to on one hand say, well, he probably could have, you know, uh, misunderstood what I said when she's not talking to him, but then be very aggressive and angry in his face when she's talking to him. See, I don't even know if that, I like there's an argument about the conditioning. I think it's separate. Like I think, I don't know if it's even about the conditioning. I just look at that as of the not using the actually like communicative explanation. Like I just say, okay, throw one more person on this fire that's just willing to be aggressive about it and not actually communicate in a way to fix the problem. That's Which, we've seen that with everyone on this fucking show. But I held Gia to a higher standard. Yeah. Because she has been good about communicating in the past. Even when I didn't necessarily agree with her, she was at least able to put her point forward in a way where I can go, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I, she wasn't doing that here. No, I agree. Um, I, yeah. Andy's like, <laughs> Andy's turning this bus around. <laughs> Andy literally says, we can't keep relitigating this. It's literally yeah. like I it seemed like he was like, I have like a stack of more questions, but like, what's the point at this point? Yeah. Like, we're just going to yell at each other for another two more hours. Like, I don't blame him, especially after having just handled the Vanderpump crew and then coming and doing this. Yeah, absolutely not. He's like, I'd be done. He's like, I we need to end this and I'm going to send everyone away. Literally, it was literally like somebody somebody did something terrible at a kid's birthday party, and he the parent called all the parents and was like, "Party's canceled. We're like you, yeah. like I'm sending them home. They're go like you know. It's just like everybody get out. They so they go back out on stage. Andy apologizes to Teresa for yelling at her, and Teresa goes, "I get it. Imagine how I feel. That's not the point, Teresa." <laughs> Shut up, Teresa. <laughs> he, he wasn't apologizing on behalf of like Mo, what Melissa, like fuck. And I'm just, I just wrote, Andy is turning this bus around. Yeah. And, and he just tells everyone like, we are done here. Everyone well, go home. And this is the kind of the part where the entire rest of the cast, I think when it's when Andy is backstage, the entire rest of the cast starts talking about, you know, 
we can we really should just put all of this aside yeah. and write yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, this is the this is the retconning of the whole season now where I, people are like now that I think Shit, about it, Andy's angry. He's gonna cancel this fucking show. Really Everybody's going home. Like Melissa and Teresa are both leaving. There's no way they're keeping either of them on, and we have to be the good kids. Yeah. So we're gonna get along for the rest of this goddamn reunion, come hell or high water. That is so <laughs> fucking true. So fucking true. <laughs> Andy asked uh, Teresa and Joe if there are any last words for each other since you know that we're sending the husbands away. Teresa's yeah, because that's that's what it is. It's not that this is the last time you will probably ever see each other because yeah. one of your people are leaving the well, show. Well, Annie's not hoping. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Teresa says that she has nothing to say, that she's heartbroken, and then she speaks Italian again. Um, Joe says he'll never say never, and Teresa says that she won't either. Um, Such and, fucking bullshit. Well, and then Joe goes, I'm not happy with you. I'm upset with you. I'll always love you. If you got in a car accident tomorrow, I'm running by your side. And you had issue because Teresa was upset about the. And Teresa goes, Daddy said you honor me when I'm alive, not when I'm dead. You know, et cetera. You had it. You were. And you're right. I, it really like struck a chord with me for her to say something like, well, I'm not saying never. But also, you're not allowed to show up if I'm on my deathbed. Yeah. Like, pick one. Because if you're cutting him off, if you're done, then be done. Don't say maybe. Say, doesn't matter how things change on your side of the fence. This fence is going up. It's not coming down. Right. Which is fine. If that's what you want to do, do it. But don't say... I'm willing to fix the relationship with you, but until we are perfect, you're not allowed to show up, even if I'm on my deathbed. Yeah. Like, that's... It's a shitty thing to say. Like, your family, you show up. You, you show up when shit gets real. And, like, to me, that shows me... Because Joe was, like, emotional during this. Yeah. And... To me, you don't, you don't treat family like that. And I, I know that there's like a certain level of, yes, toxicity. And yes, you should be able to walk away from family if they're toxic. But like, if you're still trying to fix things, you don't lay down the law like that. You right. don't say you stay away from me even if I'm on my deathbed because if there's hope there, if there's actually hope there and there's actually want for you to rekindle this relationship, then you don't want to miss out on the opportunity on your deathbed to say, you know what? We're good. Yeah. I agree. Like that was like a gut punch to me. Mm. And that to me solidified Joe wants to fix this. Teresa's done. Sure, but... Well, I... Now, whether it's Teresa's right or Teresa's wrong or Joe's right or Joe's wrong or a mix of the two, I don't think that that is material right now. I think that what is material is Joe wants to fix this and Teresa doesn't give a fuck anymore. I... Yes. I think it's 
And that's the vibes I've been getting all season. But I've also getting the vibes of like, you know, and we talked about it, like the fucking ships passing in the night sort of thing where it's like they keep fucking passing each other where like there was an attempt made and then it gets denied. And then another side does the attempt and then it gets denied. And then it's like, and then Louis doesn't fucking help it at the end of the day, even though we thought we thought he would like. And so like. I think they don't know what they want, to be honest, on either side. I, I like it, it, f- the fact that it's flowing such moment by moment because, well, you know, like I don't think either of them know what they want in, in my view. I don't think they have the. Honestly, maybe, I, I know what I want. I want it to be over. <laughs> the, exactly that. Joe tells Louis uh, the best thing to do is forget about me. I'll forget about you. And Louis goes, goodbye. <laughs> Like, wow. Frank then asks Louis if he has his word that he'll never investigate them. And Louis says, I never have and I never will. And then Louis gets up and and he's like, oh, God, why is he getting up? But he goes to shake Frank's hand and then Joe's hand. He loves the, like, performative, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then he, like, this is when the husbands leave. He He tries to go go around and do the same thing with John Fuda, and he was not having it. He goes up to Rachel and says, you're a good mother. And I think what you're doing with your son is so beautiful. And then he tries to do the handshake with John and he's like, uh, I would never investigate you. And, and John goes, if you want to be my friend, you will admit it to me because I know you did it. And Louis says, I can't admit that. And then John's like, then get the fuck out of my face. And then Joe Gorga has to get in between them to literally like stop a confrontation from happening. So really conducive stuff. See, like if like, why is Joe Gorga, the one breaking up. This I have fight. no clue. Like, to me, to me, that shows Joe Joe Gorga is like, I want to fix this, so I'm not getting in the middle. Like, I, he literally does get in the middle, but like, he gets in the middle to bring peace. Like, he's not jumping in on his friend's side. Like, he could. He's just let's end this. But is it let's to bring, be peaceful? But is it to bring peace, or is it to like stop a fight from happening? I think those but, are two different things. But a couple years ago, Joe Gorga wouldn't have done that. Joe Gorga would have jumped in in the fight. He would have pulled his shirt off like Jack's in that parking lot and, <laughs> and started swinging. He wouldn't have fought. Uh, he has he before. W- he would have acted like it. He has, he has fought Joe uh, Judice before. He, ch- well, he, uh, he, he literally gave it, did a spear. Yeah. Full on Roman Reigns, that motherfucker. Yeah, uh, but. I think there's a lot of bark and not a lot of bite, in my opinion. Um, Andy closes everything out. Dolores sums it up for me. She's like, I feel like nothing got resolved, and I think it's time for both to part ways because this is toxic and they're both hurting. Yeah. And Dolores was saying that from, like, the first Watch What Happens Live, and she's like, this is literally what I said, so they need to fucking leave each other. Yeah. They need to stop. And then this is the damage control you were mentioning. Jennifer's like asked about the, you know, the arsenal stuff. And Jennifer's like, I'm exhausted from this arsenal stuff. Like at the end of the day, this show is about us being friends. I feel like (laughs) if we can put our big girl panties on and be an example to people who watch it. And it wasn't even Jennifer saying this to me. It was Margaret nodding. Yeah. It's like, we really are just retconning the season. Yeah. Because you, you guys are so afraid you guys are going to get canceled. Yeah. 
I, I, I felt like they were doing their own version of upfronts to, to Bravo going, I mean, don't cancel us. You can give us another season. No, we, we'll be okay. We can work. We like, they might not be able to work, but we can work. Like, yeah. Yeah. Jennifer says that Margaret's right. That if you don't forgive, you can't truly forgive, forget. You can't truly forgive. Margaret then goes, clearly I'm a forgiving person. I've moved past a lot of things. That's not true, Margaret. Come on. Also, that's not what to say in this conversation. <laughs> but like, uh, Margaret's like Jen, and then we find out. I guess Mar- Jen texted her when Jan died. So oh, she's like, right. so she's like, if that, you know, I can be, mo- I can move past these things then. And Margaret's like, I don't have negative energy towards Danielle. I feel the way she does. Toward- I don't feel the way that she does towards me. Margaret. <laughs> <sighs> She can't really take full ownership, and that is kind of annoying. And Daniel's like, I have no negative energy towards you. It's made up in your head. Like, anything negative I've expressed towards you this season is because you kept coming for me. Yeah. Come on. And then Andy then goes to Teresa and Melissa. Andy goes, this season you two were more open in kind of a refreshing way. For 3.2 seconds. About your real feelings for each other, yet you somehow managed to coexist in a weird way. And I'm like, Andy, no, stop it. I (laughs) see what you're doing. I see what you're trying to do. You're like, can we get them both on next season? No. Stop. If for no other reason, don't put the audience through that shit again. Oh, it's like. Stop trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It's uh. stop trying to make fetch happen. But like, he's like, well, you managed to coexist in a weird way, like getting hope. And Teresa, I was at least happy that Teresa shut this down. Cause Teresa goes, I did it for the wedding. Cause I wanted peace. And that was it. Well, Teresa says she bent over backwards and Melissa kept denying her. Okay. Mm. Maybe towards the, the beginning of this season, but like not across the board. And Melissa's like, I definitely feel the hate. I could never please her from day one. And obviously some things never change. Melissa says she loves Teresa and that she worries about her. I do too. Yeah. And Bob she, the tomato back there. And she'll go, with the, she'll go with the flow with whatever the family decides to do. Hence, bring me back next season. <laughs> But also, I felt like it was whatever Joe and Teresa decide what their relationship is going to be, I'm not putting any more effort into it. Yeah. They're going to have to fix things. If they fix things, then we're good. Sure. If they don't fix things, then fuck you. Fine. And then they do a toast with whiskey and pizza. And I noticed this. They keep cutting to like the solo shots of everyone as they're getting their whiskey and their pizza. But I noticed, I was like, they aren't cutting to Teresa at all. And like, they cut to Melissa like three different times before they cut to, Mo- to uh, Teresa. And then like the, Dolores does like a, a thing or whatever for them to cheers. And Teresa like hands, holds out her glass to cheers. But then they, when they do the wide shot, Teresa is texting on her phone. She is checked out. She's fully like, and at least I, part of me was like, is that unprofessional? Yeah. At least it's honest. Yeah. At least she's like, I don't care. Yeah. And honestly, why should I? I don't either. Yeah. At this point, I'm just so over it. I'm so tired 
I, I like I can't care more about your relationships than you do. Exactly. So like I need you to get off of my screen because you're stressing me out. Yeah, it's it's not good. That was Jersey for this season. Whoopty fucking do. Um, we're gonna take a quick commercial break and some better news. We're talking about episode two of Real Housewives of Orange County. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And Thank you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to a gay in his MB. Let's talk about something a little bit more uplifting. Orange County. Orange County for this week. This was a good I I said it last week. I think Orange County's back. Yeah. I, I thought this flowed really nicely and it was full of drama. Yep. It had good dramatic moments, but it's like there's something more genuine about it all in a weird way, and like sort of like it, nothing feels manufactured. No, it doesn't feel like they're Which trying is odd, too hard. Considering, <laughs> considering the source material. No, yeah. Um, we start the episode. Jen is going out to lunch with Emily and Gina. Um, Jen uh, is talking to Emily and is like, I thought yoga went really well. Uh, she wasn't sure with everyone's experience levels. And Emily goes, uh, talks about Shannon and goes, you know, that could have been the hundredth time she did yoga and she would have still fallen down. So it's fine. Yeah. I mean, she's not exactly known for being coordinated. Yeah. I also really love Jen and Emily. So they start ordering drinks or whatever, and the, uh, they order, and Emily goes, "Can with my drink, can I also get a Diet Coke on the side? And Jen's like, you know what? I want that as well. Oh, my God. I do that all the time. Like, <laughs> And they like bond over their Diet Coke drinking and the fact that they're both from like small towns or whatever. Well, but also the fact that they drink a soda on the side of a cocktail. Yeah. It's not that they just do one or the other. It's, yeah, I I do that. 
Yeah, that's true. You do do that. Because guess what? I get unlimited refills on the soda. Yeah. So that's my actual drink. I'm only paying for one cocktail. Right. I'm not buying multiple cocktails. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Gina has said, though, that she stopped drinking. Um, but she's California sober, which we already know from Vanderpump Rules what that means. Well, we know what it's supposed to mean. We also know what (laughs) it actually means when it comes to James Kennedy. Yeah, that's true. Um, didn't really follow it completely. Um, she did more colors than just green. Let's say, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Jen, uh, talks about meeting Ryan and sort of like everything from her marriage and stuff like that. And we get more info that like. She kind of met him when the marriage was dying. Um, they were at a point in the relationship with her and Will where, like, they were sleeping in separate bedrooms. Um, but we then find out that Jen um, says that Will, I guess, apparently, like, two weeks ago, like, apologized to her for, like, initially blaming her for ending the marriage. Um, I think it was because I think Peacock posted, like, a like one of those never before, you know, how they do the never before scene mm-hmm. ones where they add the extra scenes. Um, and and you, we see a little bit of it, the conversation. Really? Yeah. And, and yeah, he it was very nice, sort of like, you know, um, he seemed apologetic, seemed like genuinely, it seemed. Um, and Jen says that uh, her and never... Her and Ryan never had sex at the time and that they were like... Bare, at the point, she's like, I barely ever held his hand. Um, and But Gina's like, wait, I thought you said that you had an affair on your... But then we find out it's... According to Jen, that it was more of an emotional affair, essentially. Right. Um, which makes sense based off of what she's described in terms of, right. like, you know, that dynamic, especially when your family is taking the side of the ex. Oh, boy. Like, that's stressful. You're going to need, if you don't have your family to, like, confide in, right? Right. I, I can see that being a case in which you would, you know, yeah. seek that. Um, Gina says in her confessional that she doesn't want to judge Jen, but that she's not pro cheating and says, at least when you're on my side, you can walk around with your head held high. I was like, okay, Gina, like, like, I, I mean, I get it. Gina's been through a lot, but it's like kind of coming hard for Jen here. Like, and you know, yeah, we find out that Gina is doing a end of summer, um, last flamingo party which I still am unsure why it's called that. She wanted an excuse to wear pink. Yeah, exactly. And well, and she's like, I got a boat I'm borrowing. So I love, she's just like, I get pegged as being the not rich one of the group. So I'm going to borrow a boat to do this. But this clearly a- didn't tell the girls that she was borrowing the boat because they literally call it her boat later. Yeah. Well, they're like, I think she does at the lunch here, but I think afterwards, Emily's like, let's just call it her boat. Like, like, I guess let's give Gina this. Um, we go to Heather's house as she's getting the stuff ready for when Max and Nikki go to college in, and I put in her storage ballroom. Like, it's like, it's like, are we in Mar-a-Lago and we're going to find like uh, uh, classified documents in this fucking place? Well, like, it's, it's literally in that giant fucking garage yeah. where she keeps, like it's a three or four car garage that's underground that has like an entire section that's all storage. And she has like these big storage things on the wall where she has all of her holiday decorations. Yeah. And then all of the stuff to send with them to college is strewn out across the whole garage yeah. and it's like holy shit where are they gonna have room for this stuff and also again what is the dorm they're going to 
I'm so fucking confused because she's like listing everything. And so it's like tens and tens of things that she's like got for them, like monogram towels. And like she got them like a microwave fridge combo like thing. I was like, okay. like My the, dorm came with the, the fridge combo same. with the microwave on mine wasn't it. a combo mine were separate appliances but no art well i don't know that they were a combo per se but they were definitely bolted together oh, okay <laughs> yeah uh shannon then facetimes heather because she's on the way to have lunch with tamra um and and heather's like good i think it's good that you're communicating etc um and shannon's like I'll, I'll let you know how it goes heather then immediately calls tamra after this to see because and tamra's on her way as well Tamara says that Shannon needs to listen and understand that where she's coming from. Um, and Heather's like, okay. And then we flash back to three minutes before of Shannon just being like, look, I don't get it. I don't get her issues with me. <laughs> um, and Heather's like in her confessional talk about like, I don't know how this is going to turn out well when both of them have completely different perspectives on what happened. Like, yep. like diametrically opposite perspectives. Like not even just like, you know, certain like feeling things. It's like, we both think different things happened. Yeah. So I, you know, um, so when, and when they both think they were a hundred percent correct, it's not the best thing. Um, Shannon and Tamara meet at lunch. Um, it's so fucking awkward in the beginning. It, it's, uh, they just keep saying like, it's so hot. It's hot here. Like, and they, they get their waters and they're just sipping their waters like incessantly. Um, it's so funny. I just, the, the awkwardness, like they'll start to have a conversation and then stop. Mm -hmm. And then the waiter comes over. <laughs> and then at one point, like Shannon literally stops in the middle of a sentence to call the guy over, put in a drink order. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> after being accused of being an alcoholic, by the way, <laughs> which we'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Shannon says that she heard Tamara told, she's like, I heard you tell people that you're hurt. And like, you know, I get it. And Tamara goes, do you get it? Tamara was coming like hot into this. Like, it's like, yeah. Cause, cause Shannon's like, you know, maybe I don't get it, which is why, you know, I really wanted to have this conversation. And then Tamara goes, okay. So as you know, I've been a good friend to you for many, many years. And then Shannon goes, as have I. And Tamara goes, ish. <laughs> I was like, okay. So. Gloves are fucking off. Like you're. This is not what Tam. This is not the position Shannon needs to hear in like to start things off in this conversation because it's not going to go well. Also, this is like you're coming in hot for sitting in a restaurant. Yeah. Like this, if you're coming in hot like this, you need to be in somebody's house. Yeah. Shannon or Tamara's like, I was there for Shannon. I was there for you even when it was exhausting. But I didn't get the same when my life was crumbling. And then Shannon says, like, you know, we were we were having personal conversations about Simon's cancer. You were, you know, bringing food over to the house. You were trying to say that I don't know if I should tell Eddie because, you know, whatever. But they but they ended these conversations ended when you were posting things like and then we see the quote from Tamara. to I think like Us Weekly it was or something where she said fake friends are like shadows. They follow you in the sun, but leave you in the dark. Or I think she posted that on Instagram, actually. Um, and Tan and Shannon's like, once I saw that, that's when the communication stopped. Um, and Tam was like, well, then why wouldn't you just pick up the phone and, and uh, tell me that you were upset about it? 
Um, Shannon then starts to talk again and then gets scared by a bee. <laughs> this will be like, a, like, oh God. <laughs> like This is what I'm talking about. It's just like all over the place. Yeah. Her neuroticness is like, the, I find Shannon so endearing for it. Um, Shannon says that she didn't, she didn't do it because Tamara then started attacking her publicly saying that she was a fake friend. And Tamara goes, well, you are a fake friend. Um, Tamara's again reiterates that she ghosted Shannon ghosted her Shannon says I was checking in on you and then Tamara goes I'll give that you did it a couple of times but anything more than that you didn't and this is where I was like okay now I'm kind of open to what Shannon's saying because now I'm like originally it was she never contacted me like she never responded to my text about Simon yeah and I was just like, this whole conversation and, like, the fight later on the boat, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing, like, what's being presented on the show, I feel like I'm on Team Shannon. A little bit. But then I am also have heard for a couple years now how Shannon has this knack of once you're off the show, you're not friends with her anymore. Yeah. So it's like, okay... So what, what is it? What is the real thing? Because what we're seeing here, I, I feel like Shannon did show up and then. Cause Tamara then says in her confessional, by the way, like, she, like Shannon even like recommended a doctor for Simon, which by the way, she also did with Brooks. It's like, so it like commonality in terms of that stuff. But Tamara tries to make the distinction of like, but she wasn't there for me emotionally. Like, she wasn't there for, like, me to have, like, a shoulder to cry on, essentially. And to me, I'm like, maybe it's just a different friend. Like, to me, maybe Shannon, that's how Shannon is a friend. She's not the person to, like, cry on someone's shoulder. She probably would find it really awkward. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, other people do different things in a friendship, I feel. Like, Like not every friendship should look like every other friendship. Yeah. And you have different friends for different things. Yeah. I feel. Shannon says to Tamara that she doesn't understand how much she can hurt people sometimes with the stuff that she says and that she's labeling her, labeling her with character damaging things like that she's neurotic, that she's crazy, that she's drunk, which yeah, Shannon, Shannon notoriously hates being labeled on the show. Um, Tamara's like, I remember when David told you uh, that he wanted you to stop drinking. And I said, so stop drinking. And Shannon's like, okay, you are crossing a line here. And then this is where the waitress comes in. <laughs> and she's like, can I get a Belvedere soda with limes? <laughs> <laughs> Not really proven uh, your point, Shannon. Um, Shannon says that they can try to move forward, though, and that uh, we can see if there's a way to repair it. And they do hug. So at least it's like, we got this out. Let's try to exist they did not get it out no (laughs) not fully um shannon says in her confessional that she put her emotions aside to hear Tamara, but that Tamara wouldn't do the same for her i feel like that's accurate yeah and emily tries to later get Tamara to budge on that and it doesn't really work no um we go to jen's house as she's cooking dinner with her family they're doing like a taco night sort of thing we both agree I really love this scene. Yes. This is one of my favorite scenes in like the last bit of while on Housewives. Like um, she said, talks about that, you know, when she was dating Ryan, uh, she had been dating Ryan for about a year before she introduced uh, him to the kids. 
And she was worried that, like, you know, would they view him as, like, the guy that broke up mommy and daddy, essentially. Right. Um, but that it's been seamless. And as much as I was, like, last episode being, like, Ryan's not doing anything bad, but he coming coming off off to me. I liked him in this scene. Like, he seems, like, really warm with the kids. He seems, like, you know, just, like, normal. The I think the thing I loved about this scene was it was so normal. Like it didn't feel it didn't feel like anyone was performing. It didn't feel like, you know, it felt like we were just observers of a regular dinner night with this family. Yeah. And like that was really cool to see. Um and Jen, I like Jen's personality. I think she's really I mean, she's fun and light as we see throughout, but also has backing. Like she like she has a um um a footing that is really sort of like um, smart and really mm-hmm. intellectual that I really enjoy. Like I, I really like her a lot. Um, but she's also like warm with her kids. Oh yeah. And with Ryan and like, I just really enjoy their family unit and the way that they like they the way that they function. I will say it was really bugging me when, um, their oldest boy was like just standing there with a taco over the dish of melted cheese, just dipping the cheese onto his taco with like the meat falling out the sides and all this. It's like not proper technique. Get a plate. Yeah. Get a plate, sir. This is disgusting. What are you doing? Um, but to like her warmness with her kids, like we find out that when she was with, when she was with Will, um, they were basically a foster family for multiple different kids. Right. And, and it makes so much sense. Like you can just tell in her personality, like, and so we found out more about her adopted son, Dominic, um, that basically he was back and forth with them, with his birth mother uh, when they were fostering kids. Um, but kind of really settled into the house at around two, um, basically didn't want, like, she's like, we would drive by the shelter and she, he would be like, call me mama and say, I don't want to go back there essentially. Yeah. And so, and then at the age of five, they ended up adopting him. Um, and there was like, the, it's like a sweet little scene at the end when she's like reading a book with him on the couch. And it just feels like so like sweet and normal yeah. and like really compelling. There's something about Jen's this year on Housewives, like Jen yeah. Fessler, Je, uh, uh, Jen Pedranti, I think is her last name. Um, she's phenomenal. I think yeah. she's a really great, f- fun new addition to the show. Um, we see a compilation of everyone working out. Like literally everyone on the cast is working out at this point. <laughs> Poor Emily. Emily's just getting attacked by her dogs. Like at one point she tells one of her dogs to go sit down. And so the dog sits on her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, we go then to they cut- behave about like her kids do. <laughs> yeah. We go then to cut as Tamara and Eddie are working on getting things basically broken down and, and out for the closing. Um, we find out that Emily sent Tamara like a really sweet text about cut closing and was saying that, you know, you should be really proud of the 10 years there, et cetera. And Tamara really appreciative of it, um, of sort of trying to reform this thing with Emily. She says that um, Tamara sh- shows that she's trying and she cares and she's wondering like, well, what, why can't Shannon do that for me? Essentially. Um, then this was getting, this got, Interesting. So they Tamara talks about like the the lunch with Shannon, and Eddie is kind of over Shannon. Eddie does have a tendency that I the, the thing I've liked he's yes manning is what it is. Well, yes, but I also think he's shown he get he 
it was a lot in the way that remember when he used to be really fed up with Vicky mm-hmm. and was not afraid to vocalize that. It feels that way with Shannon, and I think he is an improvement from Simon with Tamra in the oh, sense that like, yeah. Simon was like cut them off completely. I don't like them. Eddie lets Tamra do what she does, but like very much is like vocal when he doesn't like certain people in her friend group. And Eddie goes, the only good thing out of the relationship between David and Shannon was David. I don't even know how he lasted so long. She drinks way too much. And I was like, that's no, no, no. David was the problem in that relationship. I can't believe if Shannon was drinking a lot, it was out of a response to like shit that was happening in the marriage. Yeah. And, And I'm not saying that that's an excuse, but like, yeah. Tamara says that Shannon would say the dr- uh, that the drunkenness was only when David and her were going through the divorce. But then, like, the, uh, she also then, Tamara then starts saying that, like, Shannon would call me and be like, John left me in New York. She left me at a restaurant. And everything, it's always a drunken fight with John and Shannon. And see, I feel like that, to me, is David was an abusive asshole. Mm-hmm. She developed a dependency on alcohol to help get through stressful situations because of that. Right. And now she doesn't know how to handle stressful situations without the lubrication of alcohol. Exactly. I still don't see how you blame that on Shannon. Yeah. This whole scene is messy as fuck at at cut. I think it's, it's interesting to see how bad some of the messy housewives have been lately on other franchises like Jennifer Aiden. Yeah. Like some others, like Marlo. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how you do it, though. Yeah. Tamara does it in a way where it's just kind of seamless. And it's not like, it's like we're just talking and, and having a conversation. And if you know me, you know what I'm doing. And, and if you know housewives, you know what I'm doing. But it's pretty seamless to where I can get some culpability out of it. Yeah. And it's evil but i love it i mean tamra is probably the most savvy housewife yeah in that she knows exactly what show she's on she walked in knowing what show she was on she made the show she made the formula i feel in many ways and everyone else tries to copy her but no one's nearly as good as she is no and you can hate her all you want Bitch, nobody does this shit like she does. Not at all. Um, Emily and Shane are in the car, and they're driving to Gina's uh, to pick up stuff for the party because we find out that Gina has COVID. And so now Emily is basically taking over the party because she's the party planner. And so she, you know, Emily makes a suggestion about stopping at Taco Bell on the way back. And Emily goes, maybe I'm pregnant. And Shane (laughs) goes, who would be the father? Someone rich, I hope. (laughs) I'm so glad I like Shane now. Remember when Shane was the worst? Yeah, I feel like that's just his humor. Like he's just dry, sarcastic. But that's also Emily's humor. Yeah. And I feel like. Now that we've had some time to get used to them, we can really appreciate. I'd like to go back and watch some of those earlier seasons. With I think them. he didn't know how to place it as well. Yes. In earlier se- Here he knows the right time to be dry. and to- But I also think that if you, instead of seeing it at, through the lens of this is a TV show, and instead analyze how she reacts to his humor and how he reacts to her, I think he's not as bad as we gave him credit sure. for. Don't let Kelly Dodd hear that. You're yeah, fuck dork. her. You're a little dork. Yeah, fuck her. 
fucking pussy. Um, <laughs> so good. I love that scene so much. That's your husband? I, I Every time I hear the word pussy, I think of it in, in Kelly, Dodd's Kelly Dodd's voice. voice. Pussy? <laughs> Shane, Shane asks Emily if they're getting shrimp for the party because flamingos are pink because they eat them. And so, uh, yeah. Um, Gina is like giving them the instructions at like a safe distance behind Through a her. cracked door. Yeah. Um, Shannon, I guess, told Gina apparently about the conversation with Tamara and that it didn't go well. And Gina's just like, I just don't want one of them to throw the other off the boat. So if we can prevent that, that would be great. Um, fast forward to Tamara trying to jump off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Emily says um, that she has trust issues with Tamara, but that they're working hard to put away the petty stuff. But that she thinks that both her and Shannon need to take accountability for their parts in things. Yeah. So, and I agree. I think so. Um, uh, and, and Gina and Shane asked about the shrimp again. And Gina's like, yeah, I have it in the, uh, in there. Oh, cause they, uh, flamingos are pink because they eat shrimp. And Gina's like, tell them that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting ready the next day, uh, with their glam for, uh, the party. We see Heather in glam and she's like with her like glam squad, like making fun of the flamingo party. She's like, I looked it up on urban dictionary for the definition. <laughs> and it's something about like when you're awkward at a party. So you stand on one leg and she's like, that sounds like a killer party. And I'm like, Heather, this is why they don't invite you to events. You wanted the answer <laughs> last episode. This is why. Cause you're literally shit talking it. <laughs> I just love the, the idea of, Heather DeBro going, I'm not sure what this is. Let's urban dictionary it. I know. Like, right? I just, I, I need to not know that she knows, has, I, I either need to have an image of her in my head where she's just pure and like above it all, or I need to like see her like ravenously pouring through slang on urban dictionary. Be careful though, Heather. There's a lot of pornography on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't want to uh, accidentally come across an inappropriate card game. Yeah, um, Emily's getting set up for the party as guests start arriving. Um, Tamara immediately starts riding Emily <laughs> like uh, like off the bat. Like literally walks in, says nothing, and sits on her knee. Yeah. Uh, Emily and Tamara start talking about the closing of cut and Tamara thanks her for the text message and all that. And Emily's like, it's a big deal closing a business. You know, it's hard and it's hard work keeping up it. And then Heather then just comes in and goes, I'm sorry, is there a penthouse at the time? And this plays <laughs> into later of Heather just like interrupting this conversation. I think Heather just didn't realize. I also think Heather's maybe already drunk. She seemed a little tipsy. Like, like she seemed to like, be completely unaware. Yeah. Shannon arrives and I love Shannon because everyone's wearing pink because of the party. Uh -huh. And Shannon goes, we look like a big ass pack of bubble yum. <laughs> <laughs> I miss this damn show. There's an awkward moment again where Shannon and Tam with Shannon and Tamara and Tamara is just like, you look really nice, Shannon Bedore. And just awkward silence. And in the silence, Heather spills her champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and Tamara's like, it's in my hoo <laughs> <laughs> they, this couldn't happen with any other franchise. I just it it's not. Yeah. Oh, this is perfect. why I love Housewives. <laughs> um, 
uh, people, more people start arriving, including our first sighting of Taylor Armstrong. First Yay! appearance. I love her. I was not happy with her on this episode. You, you thought she was riding a little too hard for Tamara. With no evidence. Yeah. Like, she came in already briefed and ready to She's fight. She's like, I know my job. Like, <laughs> like, I don't need to get sea legs. I got it. Like, you know. I mean... She does know what she's doing on Housewives. It's not like she's unfamiliar with the territory. Yeah. And Tamara gives the background about how, you know, Taylor's been in OC for a few years and, you know, they met together on the Ultimate Girls trip and they really hit it off. So, um, you know, and now so Taylor's around the group. Uh, they keep wanting Eddie, who's the bartender, to take his shirt off. And I agree because he's really attractive. And he says he's going to and then doesn't. Never does. Never does. Um, they all start talking around the table. Tamara then asked if the group, like, do you guys know the story about Jen's kids? And so Jen starts telling them about like the whole, you know, being a foster parent and sort of like everything that goes in. And then is that Joe? There's a boat in the background and Shannon goes, wait, is that John's son? (laughs) And then the whole time is Jen is talking, is that Joe? Joe? (laughs) Is that Joe? Oh my God! Is that John? Is John on that boat? Oh my God! And they're like, really? Like you're just interrupting that? Like, <laughs> and and they're all just, at, but also they're like not even being quiet about it. Like they're just vocally being like, I can't. Well, I guess Shannon doesn't care. Like what? And Shannon's not even listening. Like Shannon said on Watch What Happens Live, she couldn't hear Jen, and so that's why she. I mean. It, it was pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet when it started. Theoretically, but we don't have a room mic. All we have is the individual mics that each Sorry. wife is. My wearing. ears are bad. So, <laughs> like, I can understand if they're out on the water. Like, yeah. The- sure. <laughs> The, yeah. Um, Jen- also, she's distracted by literally anything. Oh, yeah. Anything could have distracted her at that moment. <laughs> um, Jen says that, like, look, look, with what Tamara's experienced with Shannon, it's like, now it clicks. And she, and Jen and her were like, this is not a story that I, like, ran to Nordstrom's and got new shoes. I'm telling these women about my adopted son. It's rude in any situation. <laughs> it's rude, but I also kind of understand, like, Shannon is extremely distractible and it you can't even in a conversation between her and one other person she literally got distracted three different times earlier this episode yeah so it's like i can't like that's shannon like you can't be mad at that that's just her yeah uh, Jen says like uh, Jen tells him like I'll make it fast so I won't take up the conversation, which is such a good passive aggressive way. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Tamara's like this is typical Shannon only thinking about herself. Um, some of them head to the top of the boat, um, and Taylor's talking to Heather about how she just got recently got cast in a movie, and that she's going to an acting coach and was hoping that Heather would maybe go with her to sort of like help her out with things. Uh, and then Heather being like, you know, I have this long history and like lays out her resume essentially. And it's like, we've heard this, Heather. Like we know. We've all seen the back of your headshot. We yeah. understand. Oh, and then this, so then they bring, Eddie brings up shots for them and, and they're like, yeah, we'll do shots. And, and Shannon's like, you don't do shots, Heather. Like that's not, you've never, I've never seen you do shots. And they're like, okay, let's do shots. And Heather then just starts sipping. And Shannon's like, oh, that's not a shot. And she then, sips it. And then she takes the lime, eats the lime. And as she's eating the lime, she takes the shot glass behind Shannon's back and tries to throw it over the side of the, the boat. 
then, and misses, and it just breaks right behind Shannon. <laughs> She's like, what the hell? Oh, it was perfect. I love this season. This is great. Emily's talking to Tamara at the bottom of the boat, and Emily's t- uh, asking Tamara, like, yo, is it, are you, at the any, in any way, are you holding on to animosity and not giving an inch? And she and Tamara's just kind of you could tell being like, what are you doing? Like, don't try to reason with me on this. And she's like, did you? I mean, you know, if you just said that you were hurt, and Tamara's like, I did say that. <laughs> I did say I was angry. And then as Emily's talking, Heather then just like slots in between them, like just sits down. Emily's like, we're talking. Like, it's like that. You know that um, that little comic strip of the giant dog who like climbs. Yeah, up and- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just sneak right in here and just sit down, and uh, there we go. Perfect. Heather's just like, "Well, I'm talking to Tamara now," <laughs> and Emily in her confessional basically being like, "I this is Heather. Like Heather is a constant interrupter. She literally could be like, hey, how are the kids?' And I could be like, "Yeah, it's good, the kids.' And then Nick, and then before I can finish the sentence, she'll just be like, "Well, Nikki did this, and Max did, and it's like you just asked me a question." <laughs> like, well, and the thing is, she sits down, and the first thing she does is turn to camera or camera, turn to Tamara, and plant a big old kiss on her yeah. right in the mouth. And I'm like, "What are we doing? Uh, how drunk are you?" What are you on? Because I don't think this is just alcohol. Are you high? I What's know. happening? Microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> More like macrodosing. Tamara says that she t- tells Heather, like, I would love a deeper friendship, but it has to be equal. And I don't believe I'm going to get that. Emily then, Emily then asked Tamara if she can cop to anything that she did to Shannon. And Tamara's done at this point. Tamara goes, she can fuck a duck as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and then this whole discussion about fucking a duck. Um, can you fuck a duck? I don't think you could. We don't. No, you don't. Fuck. That's I know not that a phrase. Is duck, ducks are, are ducks the ones with like the corkscrew the cork dicks. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't have a duck fuck you. That's the key. Yeah. Um, Tamara then starts yelling and goes for everyone to hear. Like Shannon can hear this whole thing. She's on the top and goes, I didn't do anything to her other than take her phone calls all fucking night, all the time, to the point where my husband and kids were saying, please don't take these fucking phone calls. Well. And then Emily's like, if you never, and your confessional was like, if you never told Shannon not to call you at all hours of the night, how is Shannon supposed to know that's wrong? Like, that's you enabling Shannon's behavior. To be fair, you should know not to call people in the middle of the night. But also, like, she's right. Like, if you have a problem with someone or you have a problem with something that they're doing, you need to tell them and communicate that. Yeah. Because otherwise, it is on you. Because if you let that shit go on, then you are basically saying it is fine that you're doing this. Right. Yeah, I agree. Tamara's like, Shannon proved my point when she interrupted John's, John, uh, Jen's story being like, is that John? It's like just yelling this, by the way, which plays into something later. But like, she's like, and you, and says again, so she can fuck a duck. And Emily in her confessional, you can't just scream fuck a duck the whole time. The duck has been fucked. We need to move on. <laughs> they go up to eat and Emily is just eating off of the serving platter, like not getting her own plate. Just <laughs> <laughs> who was it that leaned over and was like, Emily, can I have one of your shrimp? <laughs> that was, I think Shannon. <laughs> 
Emily then tells Shannon, like, Shannon, you should apologize to Jen for interrupting her story. And then Shannon goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize it. That's what I'm saying. But She's just, she, she realize doesn't in, realize. Maybe she didn't realize in the moment. But I also loved her acting surprise at this moment when Tamara was just yelling about, she interrupted Jen's story being like, oh, is it? You think she was paying attention? Uh, I, I just. No. Maybe it was gibberish. I don't know. Um, but she says she's sorry. Jen's like, you know, I, I'm not the person that needs to be like the center of attention on things. I just felt it was a bit rude. And then Tamara's like, you know, Tamara says something about like, that's how you normally do things. And Shannon's like, Tamara, stop with the eye roll. You know, you don't need to bring other people into our issues. Emily's basically trying to reason with Tamara again here on this point of like, okay, but Tamara and Tamara goes, stop, Emily, stop, Emily, before I fucking hurt you. (laughs) And everyone's like, whoa, (laughs) Tamara walked in at a 10. Yeah. And she is now at a 23. Shannon's like, are you kidding me right now? Which is Shannon's favorite line. Uh, Let's talk about who's coming off unhinged. (laughs) Tamara tells Emily, why are you sticking up for her? You never liked her. And Jen even attempts to kind of like calm Tamara down and be like, Emily's not sticking up for Shannon. She's just trying to like reason, which is, I'm like, okay, good, Jen. You can question like the person that brought you like, good. I like that. Um, I'm interested to see, cause in the trailer for the show, we know it gets to at certain, a certain point where Tamara throws a napkin in Jen's face. So we'll, we'll see how that devolves. Um, Shannon says that she was there for her. And then Tamara just goes, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. I want to fucking throw my wine at her. You're a liar. <laughs> and, and is this the point where Tamara's like, cli- like she's so scooting, scooting back, like up the side of the chair that she's in. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to throw myself overboard. And then I didn't catch this until the rewatch. Shannon goes, go ahead. <laughs> Shannon goes, have another drink. And Tamara goes, oh, fuck you and your drinking, you alcoholic. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so petty. Like, this is, this is what I love. I love that this is a stupid, mm-hmm. petty fight with really no stakes in it. And everyone's having... It's- and everyone is, despite the tensions being high... It's fun. Yeah. Like there's no there's no lasting stakes in this. Like it's just it's stupid. It's the perfect like the, the It's perfect the palate mix. cleanser after the bullshit. How is this the palate cleanser? It's like crazy. And Shannon whispering herself goes, It's like I'm in a fucking gang. Mafia people talking. <laughs> I honestly think it's all of the like snide remarks under their breath. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's so passive aggressive. <laughs> but the passive aggressive stuff while everyone's being aggressive aggressive is, I think, the like icing on the cake. It's yeah. perfect. Tamron calls uh, Shannon a liar and a drunk, and Shannon, her confessional, is mocking Tamron and goes, You're a drunk. No, I'm not that way. You are, Tamron. <laughs> like mocking her, slurring. <laughs> Shannon's like, where's that girl who cried at the yoga retreat saying that she missed me, uh, that she missed me? And Taylor goes, Taylor is like, you guys missed what you had. And Shannon goes, I don't miss this. Um, Emily says that she feels like Shannon is feeling zen and answering questions and being honest. So, you know, you can give Shannon that. And Emily's like, look, the boat's docked. We have to go. 
Like <laughs> but we have to get off of Gina's boat. It's not Gina's boat. Yeah. And I love Heather just being like, I broke a lot of glass. And then Jen goes, You did. <laughs> <laughs> it was Perfect. It was a perfect episode. I oh, loved it so much. It was so good. Like, follow suit, Housewives. This is how you fucking do it. God damn. I'm so excited that OC is, like, back in full force. Yes. What a great episode. Uh, more like this, please. All right. Let's talk about tops and bottoms. Uh, unlike last episode, there's nothing de facto, so we can actually yeah. discuss both tops and bottoms here. What are you thinking, babe? We got Atlanta, we got Jersey, we got OC. My bottom, now that I, I was going to give it to someone on Jersey because I hated the Jersey reunion so much. Yeah. Uh, but now that we were like talking through everything and I realized how angry I was, I'm going to give my bottom to the producers or the editors over on Atlanta. Yeah. I was so fed the fuck up by yeah. it. It was so fucking infuriating how it was just so clear that they were in a camp and i never i just don't feel like editors should be that it should be unbiased it that on um, that biased against somebody like it's like i like i get like sh- having the moment because it's important to have the moment where it's like this person's hypocritical or whatever right but like even it across the board it's not like you didn't have stuff to call out the other side with well you and, the did. Th- and the thing is is that they were calling out things that were blatant lies. And also and and nitpicking things that it's like this doesn't matter to the point in which the person is trying to make and you know it isn't. Yeah. Like that was just so frustrating to me and I'm sorry guys we aren't buying the gaslight. Um like if the housewife wants the gaslight fine they're going to do it. Yeah. But the editing should not be doing the gaslighting for them. 100%. Um my top I'm going to give it to Jen over on OC. I really mm, like Jen. I do too. I think she's one of the better new additions like uh, across Housewives. I have really high hopes for her. She is sweet without losing the opinionatedness. Like she uh-huh. has viewpoints and is willing to express them and like, you know, get into the action on things. I think she is really just has a great overall story that I really enjoy and is really um relatable and something that I think a lot of people can really empathize with in certain ways. Um, and I, and I think that she could be a really great asset to the show. And I think was a, a key person that I think is needed on this cast. I don't think a lot of people, cause no one knew who she was coming in. Like when they announced the cast, we're thinking like, Oh, like, Oh, it's just like another like blonde that they found. Yeah. But she actually has a lot of really good substance to her. And I, and I enjoy her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What I really you? do too. What about you, babe? Um, I'm going to break the rules a little bit, and there are rules, so we can break them whenever we want to, and anybody that has a problem with that can suck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to give my bottom this week to the entirety of that Jersey episode. It's really bad. It's, I, I would argue, probably one of the worst episodes of housewives that I have seen and I have seen damn near all of it. Mm -hmm. It was nothing got done. (laughs) Nothing actually happened. No. Um, especially as far as reunions go, the whole point of a reunion is to get to the bottom of the issue and find a way forward. And we couldn't even hear the sides of the issue, let alone get to the bottom of it, let alone have any resolution. Right. So it's just the entire 
hell, the whole damn season. Fuck that shit. It's awful. It was it really was bad. awful. It was excruciating to sit through. There were damn near no light points in that uh in that whole season. Like I didn't Jen Fessler and like a little bit of Dolores. The existence of Jen Fessler is like the only redeeming quality. I will say all three of our new additions to the cast, yeah. Jen Fessler, Danielle, Rachel, all three of those were great additions. The problem is, is that they were walking in like fucking uh, that episode of Community where he's walking mm-hmm. in and the whole room's on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what it was. That's what it was. Like they were walking in and the whole fucking franchise was on fire. And they weren't going to put it out. They weren't going to put it out. They're just like, I don't know how to, I can't put this out. This is not my fire. And then Danielle actually gets caught up in the fire. (laughs) It's just, it's a whole thing. So fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm so glad it's over. Um, uh, I think my top for the week is going to be similar. It's the entire episode of orange County. Yeah. Like as bad as this episode of Jersey was, this was that good. Mm -hmm. Like this is probably, I would say in the top 10 episodes of housewives in general. Oh, wow. I really enjoyed I love how you sounded like Shannon Bedore then. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it just, everything about it was like fun and lighthearted. And yes, there was fighting and bickering, but that's what we love. That's what we tune in for. Mm. Um, but it was, it was light and it wasn't this heavy emotional mess. And it was like, it was a return to form and it was like OC showed up on the stage and said, y'all have been fucking it up across Bravo <laughs> for long enough. Yeah. We're setting the record straight. This is how you do housewives. Like you can take this episode out and show this episode to someone and go this is what housewives is and they will get it. Yeah, I think so too. They will understand why people are obsessed with real housewives. <laughs> I mean, used to it was you start people with New York. Right. Um and you start people with like honestly you could start with a season 1 of New York and that you, that can really kind of explain what it is. Um but I I think this is the new definitive episode. Yeah. Like, if you start with episode one of this season of OC and then show them this episode next, that's all they need. They understand the crux of everything. Yeah, the characters are clear. The characters are clear. Their relations to each other are clear. Like, it's it's perfect housewives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this episode could have been any better. I hope they they prove me wrong and they're better next week. Yeah. Because that's what it's because I was thinking this last week. This is what Housewives is. And then they did this week. And I was <laughs> like, no, this is what Housewives is. Yeah. And I'm just incredibly impressed. Tamara showed up ready to play. 
you know, this, like you said, Jen walked in and knew what show she was walking into um, and hit the ground running, didn't test her toes in the pool or anything. She was just like, all right, let's go. I'm going to roll my sleeves up and get to work. Um, you know, and like you have these existing relationships that are easy to understand and there's not like years and years and years of backstory that you have to understand to get where they're at at this point, <laughs> Jersey. And it's just refreshing and mm. fun and it's lighthearted. This is what Housewives is. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.